0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: I just mentioned quickly a big day today with regards to the Maldron Hotel on the South Mallon. Also tomorrow we have three different wonderful prizes, each of them an overnight stay for four people, including dinner at the Maldon. Isn't it a great place to put a hotel, a second hotel? We already have one there and the Maldon is the second. It's a great use of the... Uh, of the South Mall, and uh, it's, you know it's it's keeping it vibrant. So more on that across the morning. Uh, as we're mentioning weather-wise, the Mirror this morning has an interesting stat. Um, you know we're into October, and it looks like next week's weather charts are shed, set to show um, at least some good days as we approach Halloween. Now it changes for Halloween itself, but pretty much next week will be a good old week for October with lots of dry conditions and sunny spells forecast. But because we had a lovely start, actually a few beautiful few days at, at, at the week. ...and the back end of last week. But they're looking in the mirror this morning at the hottest temperature recorded... ...in the month of October in Ireland. And it was 25.2 degrees Celsius don't know if they were talking about climate warming back in 1908, but that's when it was registered, 1908, 25.2 degrees Celsius. There ain't no chance of that, uh, certainly not in the next week or 10 days anyway. Awfully sad news, making many of the paper's front pages this morning. I see it in the Star today. Kim Dante is dead. She was killed in the massacre herself and over 200 other concert gores by Ham- Hamas militants in Israel. It's awfully sad, sad news. The family have confirmed... That the 22-year-old died in the massacre at an Israeli rave, and uh, m- many of the papers carry that. I see it in the Independent this morning, front of the Star, also the the Daily Mail have it also. Uh, but locally in the county of Cork, the dig that's going on uh, down in Yall dominates many of the newspapers. Very interesting because papers all have different approaches to it with regards to the the case and the story itself. It's a bit of a, a legal minefield at the same time, but um, you know it's interesting to see. Some of the red tops and some of the newspapers um, are not all that terribly concerned about a lot of the information that they're releasing. But, um, you know, I guess you have to be like the examiner this morning says heavy machinery is brought in for the search um, of uh, the uh, woman as a continues. Miss uh, Satchwell's disappearance from her home in March of 2017 as we were saying earlier in the week and I'll talk about Barry Roach again in a few minutes time the subject of a murder investigation um, all of this kicked off on Tuesday with the rest of a man and also all sorts of different divisions of Vanguardia Chicana moving into a property in Yala itself um, and I imagine that I did read one of the papers today that uh, today is the first real day of excavation uh, and underground investigation now I'm only saying what they're saying in some of the newspapers this morning. There could be guards rolling their eyes saying that we're, you know, we're well ahead. But, um, you know, I guess... You go in on a Tuesday. I think the Wednesday was very much clearing the garden and uh, scrubland, and you know, you know, getting rid of things and digging out briars and bushes and and stuff like that. So it might be fair to say that first today could well be the very first day. But the the man who was questioned uh, has now been released, and we had this on air yesterday morning without charge. Um, apparently, there was um, talking about big uh, breakthroughs in it with regards to uh, very important information that the Gardie, um were alerted to and that was work done on this property after uh, the disappearance of uh, Tina. Um, I think it might be alluding to work maybe out in the back garden area. Uh, so this is the story that makes all of the papers and the sniffer dogs are in there as well and the diggers are in there in the back garden. Uh, the murder probe man has been released. Uh, it may go on all week. It could go on into the weekend. I did see in one of the papers this morning that they're talking about this, uh, this excavation in the property is... 24 hours 24 7 they, they don't stop even overnight I guess they must be using arc lights Sarah Horgan in the Echo this morning talks of it as well but interestingly she uh, went down and spoke with some of the locals, did a very interesting vox pop in, in Yaw, which which we intend to do in the next uh, day or two, um, uh, talking to different members of the community down there. One said it's like a TV film being played out in Yaw. Barry Road said earlier in the week that they hadn't seen this kind of activity, well, apart from maybe an Iron Man and things like that, but this kind of activity since... Um, Uh, Moby Dick was filmed in the town Uh, I think maybe people are now starting to get on with their life down in y'all but uh, one of the people that she spoke to said there was so many people here at the start it was packed Uh, We remember when this lady went missing. People spoke about it, but then there was silence. Nobody talked about what happened anymore. A few years went by and people were able to forget. So more on that in a few minutes' time. The Echo actually do a very interesting timeline in the inside pages today. They have all of the key dates in Tina's disappearance, starting uh, when um, uh, her husband, Richard Satchwell, returned home from their house on Grattan Street in Yaw, following the shopping trip to find his wife, on March 20th, 2017 and all of the timelines all the way up to October 10th which would have been Tuesday of this week when the Gardaí began the search Uh, Other news this morning, you know they were worried that there could be some serious protests outside Leinster House on Budget Day The Independent this morning are saying that a man was arrested uh, an individual attempting to gain entry to government buildings on Budget Day He wouldn't comply with the Gardaí The Gardaí gave him an order to stop and go away He was pepper sprayed Uh, The man was then arrested for failing to comply, pepper, strayed by the, pepper stray sprayed by the Gardaí, uh, who then arrested him. And so it's a story that makes uh, this morning's Inside Pages of the Independent. And of course, there's still a lot of budget-related stories. The opposition, obviously, and we were talking with Donna Galear on the air yesterday and Pierce Doherty on the air the day before, they're going to punch holes in it. But, I mean, at, at least... I Recall, Donal you know, saying yesterday on the air with me that the footprint of Sinn Féin was to be seen in a lot of good things in the budget that was uh, announced this week. But one of them was not the um, you know income exemption tax-free three grand for landlords on rental income. Um, The idea of this is to try and keep landlords in the property rental market. Uh, Mary Lou Macdonald makes the paper saying today, a nurse will get far less in this budget than a landlord ever will. Can somebody ever explain the logic of that to me? Uh, And a girl that we've had on the air quite often, Kaz Mooney, who's got Irish budgeting uh, and is uh, very much front and centre online, with all sorts of budgeting tips for people and written a couple of books on the subject as well. She's saying that the double child benefit is welcome, but an extra tenner a month would have helped families even more. Uh, RT's in big trouble financially. Um, they came cap in hand for the budget, looking for a €40 million euro bailout from the taxpayer. Uh, they're not getting that. They got €16 million instead. instead. Um, but that isn't to say uh, that the Minister won't give the balance of it. She just wants to see... Uh, RTE write down and submit to her plans with regards to how they can save and protect the future of RTE one of them could be job cuts although Kevin Backhurst says that nobody's going to be fired it will be some form of redundancy but they got a serious black hole in RTE. It's now nearing 100 million euro um, with regards to its finances Um, and another top executive went this week. He was very much front and centre of the different committees of late and that was uh, the financial director Richard Collins um, and he has now resigned Uh, and of course many of the resignations and the moves within RTE wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for what they call the Tobridi scandal. So that dominates an an awful lot of the papers today. Uh, they're also wondering as to whether RT would sell an awful lot of the land they have there in Donnybrook. Much of it isn't used and a lot of it is green fields. So I'll have to wait and see what happens there. I'll tell you who is using the land they have. PepsiCo. It's great news in the Echo today that the food and beverage company Uh, PepsiCo Ireland uh, has announced a new nearly 40 million euro expansion. It's 39 million euro worth of expansion at its manufacturing facility. This is the one in Little Island. So they're going from strength to strength because their products are becoming more and more popular. Uh, But in the world of where people are struggling, and we talked about the contribution towards Ukrainian refugees yesterday, two and a half billion has been set aside for all different aspects of refugees, asylum seekers, international protection orders, two and a half billion. Many people are raging about that. Internationally, I'm starting to see a lot of countries waning with regards to financial support for the war in Ukraine. I'm just saying, it's a big ticket item in the UK. It's very much front and centre of the news in Germany, Poland and indeed France. And America now, which is in turmoil because of the Speaker of the House, Being sacked. Um, An awful lot of people in America also are waning towards money and indeed sending arms uh, to Ukraine. There's a big issue now in America, of course, with regards to the suspension of the houses uh, of uh, the um, government in America that they can't sanction money and arms for Israel uh, to take on Hamas. Some lovely stories uh, with regards to music related. And I was talking with Tony Hadley yesterday with a good chat from Spandau Ballet about the state of music. Uh, these days and, you know, when it was, uh, you know, back in the early days of uh, his career back in 1979, 1980. But if you wind the clock back a little bit, there's a story in this morning's Mirror where Paul McCartney says that John Lennon still influences his songwriting. He says that he often writes a song and thinks, what would John think about that and he'd have thought I suppose it was too soppy so i change it Um, if there were soppy songs Lennon back in the day apparently got the hump over that he wasn't big into the lovey dovey you know uh, soppy songs Um, so even uh, the fact that he's passed since the early 1980s uh, McCartney or Macca as he's known to friends still imagines for want of a better word if you'll pardon the pun what John would do with his music and today from John's to Martins. Today is National Martin Day. Actually, it's International Martin Day. It's this day of the year, the 12th day of October, when we celebrate and give thanks to everybody with, I assume, the Christian name Martin. Don't know whether, I imagine it's fair to say it doesn't apply to people's surnames. So, Martin, um, a Latin derived male name that means in Latin, God of War. So you Martins listening to me this morning are gods of war. You should take about Today is exclusively your day. What that will actually mean in real terms, I have no idea. Would you suggest that maybe... Uh, all people with the Christian name Martin should get a discount today on their coffee or their lunch or their breakfast roll or should have the dinner made for them tonight would you suggest that they should go into their local pub and get a free
2: martini I like that <laughs> that's my favourite suggestion yeah definitely.
1: it's not mine it was my wife <laughs> this morning Paula came up with <laughs> that one the free up, martini
2: <laughs> I was going to say I, I don't know I think we should extend it to people with the last name Martin you know Linda Martin yeah, you know, a certain yeah, uh, former Keisha you're, you're, break, yeah, you're, I mean, you're
1: uh, breaking you're breaking the rule though um, uh, it is a, It is a very well known surname Surname for sure it is yeah. but I
2: think this one has Just to do for with first
1: names with Martin unless you're called Martin who's, Martin, the, who's
2: the greatest Martin Ireland's ever had That's what what I'd like to know. The greatest Martin Ireland has ever had. Oh my God, that's a fantastic question. I'd need to pause for a while. I was trying to think of of even like who, what Martin's... The first Martin that came to mind was Martin Kamer, the golfer. Don't ask me why. Just the first celebrity with the name Martin that came to mind. I'm sure other people would think Martin Luther King, who are a little bit better (laughs) read than I. Well, that would be internationally. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, But I wonder, who's Ireland's best Uh, Martin? I also wonder are there... Okay, let people text on that. Text 0868104106. I
1: wonder... is is it a popular Christian name still? My brother-in-law yeah. is called Martin. Martin Fanning, lovely guy. Yeah. Dubliner. Yeah, Martin.
2: Yeah, I know good people. So my sister and I should
1: really spoil him rotten today because it's his special day.
2: Martin or Marty?
1: Um, well, I have a friend called Martin Mullen out of uh, Mullins out of um, McCroom Martin Mullen but I call him murty Marty Mullen I wonder if many people. Call I, like that.
2: Murti. I like that. Marty. I like that. I love people whose names have like uh, you know, kind of rolls off the tongue. You know, like I knew Murt a fella, I know a fellow called Ryan O'Brien. You know that just—I know a Brian O'Brien, a Bri- a Brian O'Brien, O'Brien, yeah. O'Brien. Really, that, one, that's isn't lazy, isn't it? I love it. I think it's fabulous. I think that's so lazy. <laughs> well, no, but what do you do then if with Martinez? I think Martinez are entitled to their martinis. Well, no, I mean if Martin has is own day, why shouldn't Martina have? I agree, day? I agree. I agree. I agree. I think. I think Martin Martinez. You know, Marty's Marty's. You're all you're all included. Okay, well Welcome that's the, the day
1: of it today. Uh, it's uh, October twelfth, and it's International Martin Day. How do you feel about that, you Martins out there?
3: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. The
1: Tina Satchwell story is a story that I intend to stay with in the event of any updates as we go through the days and weeks. We got off air yesterday um, and, of course, later in the afternoon then, it was announced that a man in his 50s uh, who'd been arrested for questioning about the suspected murder of Tina Satchwell was released without charge. Now, when I was talking... Uh, to Barry Roach yesterday morning uh, on the air he was telling us that the man uh, was um, in a situation where he could have stopped the questioning at midnight, gone to sleep and the clock would stop and then it would restart again uh, sometime later in the morning but he declined that and the questioning I imagine because of that went on right through the night I think there were there were there was a lot more than say one uh, detective uh, questioning by all accounts so it continued which means the clock ran out then sometime around 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon the man was released Barry Roach joins me Southern correspondent with the Irish Times so that was just after 5 morning Barry just after 5 yesterday was it?
4: Uh, Rowan, for yeah just after 5 uh, Neil Garda Press for 07, confirming that the man had been released without charge Oh. I suppose what's notable about that is that they didn't make any mention of a file to the DPP. So it would seem that this investigation is still at a very early stage, as it were. Yeah. Um, usually the sort of pattern is, you know, a man released well charged and we are informed that a file will be prepared for the DPP, but they didn't even go that far. So that brings it back a step further, as it were, in terms of the investigation. My understanding is that the man, as you say, he was arrested about five o'clock on Tuesday at his home when he returned from work. He was conveyed then to Cove Garda Station where he was held under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act and that allows Gardaí hold people for 24 hours. And often in these cases people suspend, have the option of suspending overnight from from midnight until 8am. And we often find ourselves as reporters, I suppose, then as a consequence, uh, you know, at 9 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night trying to get a steer whether somebody's being released without charge or not. It, that tends to be the pattern, I suppose. Mm. But in this case, this man uh, opted to go through the night, so it was a very clear cut-off point then at 5 o'clock uh, yesterday evening. That's when he had to be charged by or released by, okay. and he was released. Now, within that time, obviously, he would have had an opportunity to, you know, take toilet breaks and, mm. you know. It was short breaks but substantially went right through the night he was accompanied as I understand it throughout the interview by his solicitor so he could consult with uh, him during the mm. uh, interview process mm. and as you say there were a team sorry there were teams uh, of six uh, guard interviewers who would be trained their various levels of interviewing um, Qualification, shall we say, yeah. and the highest is level four, and there would have been some level four interviewers involved in this, and then I think level three as well. So, Gary would have been working in in a role, as it were, uh, and different teams. I would imagine on I'm guessing this would be putting different aspects of what they believe is their case to him. Yes. Yes but he obviously was dealing with all of them but at 5 o'clock he was released without charge and I wasn't in for because I was trying to keep an eye on the verdict in the murder case in um, the Central Criminal Court in Angus Street but talking to my colleagues they had all gathered outside Garden Station in the hope, I suppose, and perhaps expectation that the man might come out and say something, but he didn't, my understanding, is he was uh, brought out, uh, got into a car at the back of... uh, There's an underground car park, I think, in Gulfcarter Station, and he was brought out in the car, so he he, he left the scene. Um, The interesting thing about... um, One of the interesting things, I suppose, sort of an obvious curiosity on my part, and I suppose everybody else's as well, he can't go back to his home because it's a a crime scene. So what happened? So my understanding is that the guard offered him accommodation somewhere But he declined that offer. So he's uh, somewhere else at the moment. He's at liberty, obviously, and Guardi aren't aware of where he is. Okay.
1: So, um, okay. And that was just after five yesterday. Um, You're talking about your colleagues. A lot of people in the red tops and different newspapers are are talking about this um, information that was received by Gardy of multiple renovations and digging at the house. after Tina Satchwell vanished, is that the information? Do you think that upgraded this to a murder investigation, and the house deemed a crime scene?
4: Um, uh, yeah, I'm reading a lot on that, and I put that to sources, obviously familiar with it, and they say it's one factor, but it's not the only one. There are multiple city of factors that fed into their decision to uh, effect this arrest and uh, seek the securing of the house as a property, they're aware of that and it's one factor, but it's not uh, by any means the overriding factor. I I haven't been told what they are, but I've been told there are several and that was just one consideration that they took into or one factor that they took into consideration and they were aware of that. In fact my information is that this review began in November 2021, two years ago and it was on foot of that, and that was a very thorough... And apparently this that review started in 2021, was the second review of the case. But this 2021 review, which has lasted nearly two years, yeah. uh, was very, very thorough and forensic, and it was going through everything they'd gathered, as they say, the 400 lines of inquiry, the 100 hours of CCTV footage, the 170 witness statements, that was on foot of that rather than any specific new information but, that prompted them to... And I've heard that from three sources now who are sort of telling me the same thing.
1: Yeah, but it, it possibly that? would be a factor. And Mooney in the Sun this morning says that yeah, uh, they're focusing a on a makeshift patio area in the back garden.
4: Yeah, well, we spoke about the slabbing in the, um, the backyard being slabbed and that they were cutting up... Um, the to cut that up. That's one area. I mean, as I said, there are four, effectively four areas. There's a, the adjacent overgrown garden... And then there's the backyard of the house. There's the garage attached to the house, or at the rear of the house. And then there's the house itself, so there's sort of four different search areas. My understanding is that there are teams of guardy searchers are and, uh, working on a row to there, and they're starting um, around uh, 9, I think, most mornings. So that's the, and then they work quite late, maybe till 10 o'clock at night, using lamps and so forth. So far, as I understand it, the focus, certainly one team are focusing on clearing the, Undergrowth in the adjacent garden, and they've made good progress in that. Um, I think I may have said yesterday that obviously some of that growth would be more than six years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, if you have a 30 year old tree, like, obviously <laughs> there's <laughs> there's nobody buried under that. Yes, but yes. Some of the growth in there is more recent, and that's where. You now, they have two forensic archaeologists on standby to assist them with uh, any they might find in terms of earth disturbance and they also have um, let me get this right now uh, r- ground breaking radar which tells them if the ground has been broken previously, so one area as I say is the um, the overgrown garden and they're accessing that from a, a different point so they're not coming through the, the houses with that. and then uh, I think people were reporting us uh, that um, there are mini diggers gone in there and there's also uh, one of those um, vegetation shredders, you know, that is cutting trees and,
1: and yeah, yeah. And there's a caterpillar kango, which okay, is a big kango, okay. which is driven yeah. from a cab.
4: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty heavy-duty stuff to be honest. About. But would it, it be there...
1: fair to say? I don't know where I read it, but someone reported this morning that that the dig is only starting really this morning.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is planned. They've they've scheduled it for a week. The first day. Uh, Tuesday it was basically securing the property, cording it off, making it safe, and obviously they have health and safety issues in terms of access and so forth. So that was happening, and then bringing in the equipment they need. The next stage of which was yesterday, probably today, was just clearing the, the search area, as it were, or the search areas, as it were, the, the, the overgrown garden and the backyard. So really, I think this is going to be a long, a slow burn, as it were, unless. Uh, something dramatic happened, A, by way of something at interview, uh, which clearly didn't, given that they released the man without charge, mm. or B, in terms of some sudden discovery in the property, which obviously hasn't happened yet. So, I mean, I think it's already. Uh, my, my sense of it is that already were braced and prepared for a full week-long search, and okay. maybe, what a we today? Thursday uh, we have until next Tuesday probably and maybe longer if needs be that they'll extend it the other interesting thing about this uh, which i learned was that uh, i think they've quantity surveyors in there the property depending on the outcome of the search and if nothing is found then the, there's an onus on the Cardi to restore the property to the condition it was prior to their wow, search oh that'd be some job so, wouldn't it so i presume i would i'm just speculating here but I presume they go in they photograph everything they photograph the patio or or the backyard or whatever photograph obviously the trees and the overgrown area can't be restored but everything else is photographed so they have a record of it so that if nothing is found at the end of the week then they set about to back in place, as it were, and their builders on standby as well.
1: Yeah. And I, I suppose it only, only rightly so. Well, rightly of it. so, yeah, yeah um, I mean. But have they brought anything from it? I did read again. I think it may have been in. Um, just to give credit where it's due, Anne Mooney says in the Sun: we were seen bringing evidence bags out of the house.
4: Uh, they may well have. I, I containing various items. Yeah. I haven't heard of anything significantly found yet. But obviously, they might take. They might be taking away. I don't know. Solid samples, perhaps for analysis. I mean. um, I, again, I'm sort of uh, approaching this as the, the, the lay reader on this one. I presume CSI sort of stuff, that you take a soil sample, do you know, get a test to see if there's any yeah. residue, but I, I don't know how long does blood lasts inside. Yeah, you it know.
1: could be anything, it could be electronic equipment, nobody knows, but no, she's just you know, commenting on uh, that.
4: No, I, know, I do know that phone records were being examined prior to this, uh, there's an incident room. I don't know if I said that. yesterday, there's been an incident room set up to coordinate the whole investigation at Carrick Tool Garda Station. It's obviously in the same guarded Division, uh, Middleton, uh, under uh, Superintendent Gamble. and uh, that uh, somebody there has been looking at phone records over the last uh, a few weeks. I yes. understand it, but that's only again. I, I don't want the sort of um, that's only one factor in it. You know, it seems to be to me. Since I get is that there are multiple lines of inquiry, multiple factors feeding into this decision and it's just a really comprehensive, thorough, and it, I, you get that sense about it as you say, like you know, one of the issues I think was what was critical in this was that the review enabled Gardi to make the case for it being upgraded from a missing person to a murder investigation then that meant that they could apply for the resources effectively to fund this because, uh, bear in mind you brought down the Garda technical team from Dublin there are four of those down there, you have Gardie from Cork, the new amalgamated Cork North and West Division detectives from that involved in it there's a lot of personnel and obviously that's all has to be funded so that's a factor if you think this but it seems to be very comprehensive and well planned in the sense of you know having mm. your tango hammers and your diggers and mm. your all on standby and ready to roll the minute the gentleman is uh, arrested, he's out of there within five minutes or whatever uh, of the uh, him returning home they move in and it seems to be a very well planned sort of um, like clockwork type of, uh,
1: and if nothing is discovered, of course the mystery continues because she left oh, in March of 2017. She didn't bring a passport. She didn't bring her mobile phone. She didn't bring her keys. She left her pets behind uh, and just disappeared. I mean, it's yeah. It's I mean,
4: it's an extraordinary story that somebody could vanish off the face of the earth literally with no sightings on CCDB, no sightings by anyone. Uh, as you say, no. Uh, what does somebody live on? Yeah. No. Uh, I, I know the, our husband said that... Um, it, was it was 26 grand, 000, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. how long does 26 grand... Last yeah, exactly. If you're travelling, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you're going to budget, but we're talking six years now, you know. Yeah, uh, okay. okay. And nobody... Reporting anybody like and you know even in contact with family. no family, no, family, no family, friends. It's, like, she uh, was... it's just it's, it's baffling. But uh, that said, you know, Neil, it's not the only such case. I mean, all those women missing in Leinster back in the um, mm. the nineties. Uh, Annie McCarrick as I say, was a missing person. Or being her disappearance has been treated as a missing person up until March this year, when that too was reclassified and upgraded to a murder investigation. Mm. So and. You know, we've had the the case here um, of um, in the city of Kieran Quilligan's been Quilligan, or Mister Quilligan, yeah. Uh, uh, for uh, I suppose it's a five or six weeks now at this stage. You know, um, and okay. people do uh, disappear, but it seems extraordinary that you know, in the particularly in the immediate aftermath, there was no reported sightings of were getting a bus or anything like that. So, uh, but as I say, my sense of it with with the Guard investigation is that. They're, they're braced for a sort of a long week of thorough searching, and um, we'll see what that yields. But I, I thought it was interesting, as, as you, said, you said, you know, the fact that they have, um, they have a team or they have builders on standby to restore it to uh, original mm-hmm. condition, if if not in the is event found, of being no instance, event yeah. is something being found, then that obviously that changes all complexion of things. But uh, at the moment, it's methodical, and I would presume with the forensic archaeologists' involvement that they're sort of taking it square metre by square metre by square metre type of thing. Oh, if you can be sure, sure it will be 100%, yeah. 100% yeah. thorough. Yeah. OK,
1: well, yeah. let, let, let's see what happens then and we'll stay in touch and see if there are any developments in the in the days ahead.
4: Yeah, and I presume it'll go right through the weekend. Um, um, and as I said, there are different... Um, wrote as a search team or searchers or examiners as it were so and you know you can see the photographs in the paper they're all suited and booted in the um,
1: all with specific tasks uh, to do all specific
4: tasks and they're all there and they're Forensic the suits. There's probably some term for them, I can't think. But you has know, suits, a, I think, isn't has it? Has suits, yeah.
3: They
1: yeah. look like hazmat suits, yeah. Not, yeah. 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 Okay, my man, thank you for that very important update. We'll stay in touch with you. Thanks as always. Barry Rhodes, Southern Obviously. correspondent with the Irish Times. Just as a footnote to this, I did read in The Sun this morning Anne Mooney was saying, Gardy, you were seen bringing evidence bags out of the house containing various items. According to a senior source uh, that uh, I believe Anne spoke to, regarding the entire operation including the extensive search of both the house and the overgrown back gardens had to have been planned for a considerable time you know, it wasn't as if they just decided any time recently. Uh, the uh, senior source said, You just don't ramp up anywhere, arrest an alleged suspect, and then bring in all types of equipment to tear the places apart. The house has to be declared a crime scene, which obviously it has in this case. That leaves it open season for a complete and thorough search, even if it involves tearing the place apart, which seems to be the case here." it would have taken meticulous planning. Uh, as another footnote to this, she also uh, mentions that um, recently on their 26th wedding anniversary, uh, just a few months after her disappearance, uh, Richard waited at home, uh, her husband believing that she might return on that day. I'm sure that he, he waits every single day um, on possibly anticipating her return uh, she says in the article he had a bottle of champagne on ice and flowers waiting for her but she didn't make contact with him uh, he told how much he loved her and how their life in their new home in Yal was like an ongoing honeymoon so that's the up to date um on that if there's any developments we certainly will stay across it text 0868104106. 106 back after the break
3: get it off your chest Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 104 106,
1: Red FM. Another Cork News, an interesting post yesterday from Peter Horgan, the uh, Labour rep. Uh, He said there's been an additional €16 million allocated in Budget 24 for the Cork Event Centre. He was saying that that would bring the total state funding to €73 That There was no documents published, no justification, no explanation, and we need more details. And I was alarmed at that. I was thinking, mother of God, they're pumping even more money into the um, public's spend towards the event centre. But when you looked at it deeper then, um, and we were talking with different people, including the councillor, Mick Finn, who keeps bringing this up in council, and so he should. And apparently, I believe that it wasn't an extra 16 million. It was some kind of a bookkeeping exercise within the budget or something like that. Mick joins me phone. Mick, good morning. Uh, good morning Neil what, Thank you for taking the time out this morning I know it's very busy but what, what's your understanding Peter Horgan thought it was it was extra dosh is that not the case because is there uh, only no, 57 yeah. million apparently spent
5: Yeah well look my understanding is uh, I think this was raised as well last year when there was a line item in the budget uh, similar amount I think about 15 million last year And I did a bit of checking on it yesterday because I, you know, I I did see the item in the kind of budget book. But my understanding is that that's actually just an accounting procedure to keep it kind of in the books, basically, and it's not an extra allocation. So the 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 state commitment to it, um, you know, both national and local, is fifty-seven million. Uh, and Live Nation, you know, who are the developers, are among the developers of it and who, who will run it, you know, if, when it happens, you know, we're, we're, we're putting some £35 million towards it. Yeah, uh, yes. But my understanding also, as you said, is putting uh, more public money into it. Um, you know, that is going to be required from what I can gather, you know, since getting the call yesterday, but coming on this morning, I just did a bit of research last night, and I think the ask will be much higher of the state.
1: Even more money needed from the state,
5: yeah, and my understanding of that is because, you know, and, and we, we've been told this now when it comes to building social housing or, you know, uh, the cost of private housing, is that the building inflation since this, you know, obviously since it started, uh, which it seems to be about, you know, 200 years ago, but in the last kind of couple of years, that the, the rates of building inflation will mean that there's going to be a much more considerable ask of the state, okay. and I suppose, at, you know, I mean, it's a project that I've obviously, as you mentioned, they've been raising, and I think, you know, that's going to be the next question, uh, you know, for government and city council, again, to sit down and, and, and say, look, what's required? when understanding, Neil, you know, and it's a word that I was told, and it's a word that you don't often associate with the event centre, uh, the word shovel, uh, and I was told in the last couple of days that it's no shovel ready, it's fully designed, fully priced and fully planned. Uh, so that the obstacle now will be um, extra public money and, and extra money from Live Nation as well. They're going to have to fork out as well.
1: OK, but this, like next February, it will be eight years since the sod was turned in some sort mm. of a glory photo shoot by Fina Gale under the government of, of um, Enda Kenny. Uh, but yeah. th- when BAM won... I'm reading from Owen English, who's front and centre on this in the Examiner from mm. day one. BAM won mm. the competitive tender, right? Which was to give them twenty million euro of state aid, and they would put in the balance it was mm. estimated that it would cost fifty million. the yeah. overall costs have soared now to eighty five million and at where where we are at now of that eighty five million the state has given fifty seven million that's yeah. more the state Investment is more than the original build cost. It's seven yes. million euro more than the original build cost. When is the, When is somebody going to cry halt?
5: Well, I think the, I think it has. Um, and, my, and my information is that there is a halt because it has now been fully priced. What was originally planned from day one was an event center in its own right. And it, it, it kind of developed and evolved over time to be an event centre that included a large arena for five thousand or six thousand, a smaller arena, like as a convention space. So it has it has morphed into a kind of unique building that would be a combination of the National Convention Centre, the pour Gas. And the, and the O2 or the, the 3 Arena so that's the difference and actually I, my understanding now is that 57 um, is, has been promised by the state 35 by Live Nation so the, the costs actually have gone up even you know we say up to yesterday to 92 million. Oh my so god I, but, but I think that's going to go up significantly again and it's going to be an ask of government and an ask of Live Nation to invest more because of the... Uh, no, you have the building inflation post-Covid has added into all this as well. Um, I mean, the extra 7 million that was committed by the state was was around the Covid time because of, of you know, the entertainment industry plunged into into despair and the, there was kind of an issue with, with, with inflationary issues and all that kind of stuff. So it went from 50 million to 57 million uh, from the state, 35 million Live Nation, but I said those figures... Um, you know, that figure of 92 million, I would think, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I haven't been told this, I'm not sure of this, but I would, I would think it's going to require another 30 or forty billion in the state.
1: Okay, let's go in the middle and say 35, that would be um, 127 million.
5: Yeah, and I think that's uh, even a conservative figure now, I would imagine, for what's been planned there. But I suppose what, what's good from, from a council point of view and from more point of view as councillors, uh, but certainly some uh, most of us, is that now all that design work, the detailed design that has taken 12 months, the pricing, you know, the, the, the review of it by um, quantity surveyors and all that, and the planning issues have now all been sorted. You know that has taken another year but, two years to get to this point. That
1: thirty-five billion—that could—I'm just—you say somewhere between thirty and forty billion yeah. more might be needed. Million, million, million. Yeah, sorry, million. million might, yeah. I'm, to, I'm talking budget figures from yesterday. Thirty five Okay, know. so let's say thirty-five million that the state would have to divvy that up. Is it?
5: Well, I think the state will have to do, come up with, with the vast majority of it, but also like nation who are, you know, as I said, will be the ones that will be operating. I mean, BAM are obviously involved and will build it and will develop it as, part, as a partner. But it's actually Live Nation. We'll be running it as an event centre and bringing all the acts that are currently only accessible maybe in Dublin, Belfast, and in, in London and elsewhere. No, I
1: understand the reasoning for it. I have no, no issue with that. And we, and we would want something absolutely like that, Annalisa, and you as a mm. public rep would. But you mean there could mm. be a potential spend of the state, and this is taxpayers' money, of over mm. £90 million.
5: Yeah, I, I would think, yeah, that £90 million, I think would be a conservative figure.
1: Conservative and And yet, we own, we will own nothing of it. The only thing that we can hope for is maybe corporation tax or VAT receipts or a spend on Leaside.
5: Yeah, but that, that's it. And no, the spend on Leaside is going to be the huge factor for Cork. And I mean, that's why the state is involved and the city council is involved. I mean, apart from an employment point of view, it's the knock on effect and the positive effect that it will have on Cork. I mean, we have needed this for the last 20, 30 years. Nobody has come near us because, you know, for, they were saying that the market wasn't big enough. Uh, but you look at the marquee, you look at, you know, the events at Crow, at Crow Park and uh, Mosgrove Park, I think it's needed for Cork, it's needed for the region, and that's why I've been behind it from day one. Yeah, but you were um, behind it at be a
1: different—you were behind it at a different set of figures, though. Um,
5: I, like- I, I was, but, but Neil, it is—it's going to be a huge investment in Cork and a public investment in Cork, which I think is needed. I mean, like a lot of people would say, "Asher, look, that's not going to happen," and leave it off. I don't think that's a good answer for Carl. No, no, I think
1: and, the no. Step up. And, but for, when do you when do you sew up the pockets and say no more? It was originally a 20 million euro funding of state aid. You're saying conservatively that could be at least 92 million. I mean, how does yeah. how does Ocala and Properties feel about this? And others who tendered back in the day?
5: Yeah, well, I think when, when other people tendered at the day, the same issue was that they had nobody to run. They had no operator to run the centre. Uh, and I mean, back in the day, yes, it was a different. It was a different animal altogether. It was kind of like building a hall, you know, a, a one-dimensional, a one, a I suppose, event centre, and that was the plan. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of time, and a lot of water under the bridge, literally since, uh, and it has evolved into something much bigger. Now, you know, you can't turn back the clock, and you can't turn back the time. Uh, I think you know the government needs to invest in Cork, and I, you know, I, I remember when the school of music was being built, Neil, um, you know, back maybe 20 years ago, and it took lo- it took ages and took ages, and there was reluctance for state money, but eventually it happened. It cost much more than it should have had. It, this is going to be the same. Admittedly, you know, it has exploded in cost, and like the the, the, the last stumbling block, now is that cost, and whether the government think it's in uh, it's right to invest an, an extra, you know. 30 maybe 40 million but they can't back out at this stage
1: like I mean they'll pay we could potentially pay five times more state aid that was being asked and we can't back out of it
5: well I suppose you can back out of it Neil and it doesn't happen I mean whatever money has been spent so far has been a minimal you know portion of that in terms of planning and a lot of that has been borne by live nations obviously some of it by the state um, you know all this, this kind of planning and pre-planning and design work and everything else has probably cost I don't know maybe in the region of a million two million um, but you know, I suppose the state can back out of it and then it just doesn't happen
1: Did you put any questions to the Cork uh, City Council Chief Exec and Doherty on this?
5: Yeah I spoke to her actually yesterday evening and said knowing that I was coming on this morning I was at an event in City Hall um, deputising for the Lord Mayor an event for Marymount actually and um I actually just asked her what was the situation and as I said, you know, she kind of outlined where it was, the fact that it has been fully designed, fully priced, fully planned um, and that, you know, basically now it's up to up to state government and city council to sit down and see what can be done in terms of the funding and I think she has been speaking to Mike Adamson in Live Nation you know about the potential need for extra investment there as well. So, like, she has been, you know, engaged at this at every stage, really. And I mean, you know, there's there's a reason why it hasn't happened in previous councils. And I think if it doesn't happen in this council, I just don't think it will happen at all.
1: And what will happen with the site? It won't be our problem, will it? It'll be Bams well, and Live Nations.
5: Exactly. No, I'd imagine, and I and I said it first day that if it doesn't happen here, I'm not going to be uh, supporting zoning for extra student departments or anything like that. It's a crucial site in the heart of the city. It's where Cork City began, and I think it's deserving of something. You know, a tourist attraction and something like this. I think you know, I people disagree with me and said it wasn't the right site first day. I think you know, being in the heart of the city and being something that will draw people into all parts of the city, businesses will benefit. Uh, that's why I've, you know being a supporter okay. of it okay. i do i do say at some stage you put your hand up and say look you know it can't take any more money but in saying that i think the government owes it to cork to invest in this project and to step up now and say look we're going to we're going to back cork hey, thank
1: country. you for that appreciate it thank you Mick. it could be for very legitimate reasons that more money is now requested or potentially requested again as mick is suggesting there will be uh, no digging until there is no more, until there is more money could be all cost-related, but we're very much over a barrel. Peter Horgan, the Labour candidate for Cork City South East, uh, broke this yesterday, al- al- albeit it wasn't 100% accurate. Do you, do you accept that now, Peter, that it was just a budgeting, bookkeeping exercise?
6: No, I don't accept that, because it's in the budget on page 111 of the expenditure allocation. I mean, if, if it's not 100% accurate, then that fault lies with the Minister for Public Expenditure, who is Fianna public Pascal Dunhu. So... The line in page one hundred and eleven says that sixteen million will be allocated for the Cork Event Centre. In any budget you assume that's additional funding. So this is a case of the government just rehashing uh, allocations and budgeting uh, for as a, as a as an accounting measure, which is not, you know, a good way of doing things for a budget in my view. Like McFinnett said just there that there will be additional money Government has had the documents two weeks and two weeks before the budget through parliamentary questions through Sean Sherlock. Shows, okay, so you that think that
1: that additional money is the sixteen million still. Well, it's clear from Councillor Finn
6: that he said it's, it's actually going. To, it's, it's going to need more money. So what we need is we need clarity from government uh, about how much is actually being given to the Cork event centre in this budgetary process and I put in questions by my parliamentary colleagues on that to the Minister for Housing who has responsibility for this project at central government level which is Dara O'Brien uh, ultimately so like what we need like there's a lot of people now kind of going I'm saying one thing based off the documents in the budget Councillor Finn is saying something based on what the Chief Executive told him so what we need is something that I've been calling for some time is to publish everything Publish all the documents. The idea of corporate sensitivity, commercial sensitivity, is nonsense because there's no other site looking to do an event center in Cork. We need it's the people's money, and if we're going up to, I, I can't remember the number you said. Um, I,
7: I, potentially I, I said uh, 7 million.
6: What? But you're saying I, I calculated it at 73 million if you take this additional 16 million that I think is in the budget. But if you're saying it's higher than that, then by God, we need serious documentation published to justify that sort of spending.
1: Well, Mick Finn is saying that it could be anywhere between thirty and forty million in additional funding that Bamwood and Live Nation will look for from the state, which would bring it up to ninety-two million.
6: Yeah, and a fifty-seven. That's currently a fifty-seven million, potentially seventy million state investment of that project, which is well in excess of what we signed up
1: for as a city. So, what? Uh, we can't. We can't back out of it, though, can we?
6: Yeah, you can. You can back out of it. This is the problem with public contracts. It's the idea that people think that's because of the public contracts that the people will pay whatever will happen. We're seeing that with the children's hospital as well. Like, if it comes to a point, yes, we do need an event centre. Yes, we do need something to draw people in. But we don't need something in White House and and a blank cheque. And it's seriously something that this council does need to look at again. We're into an election cycle where there'll be a new council next June. If this isn't resolved by the time the election is called in, in March or or April for the council elections, they probably should be uh, paused until the new council is elected in June and and, and a new uh, uh, report done on the viability of the event centre. But, but we've, come, we've come to that, we've election. kind of
1: passed that now. It's ready for shovels, if you like, or whatever the case may be, break ground, but that nothing will happen until there is more money from so the yeah, state. But, so that,
6: but the budget says 16 million is going into it. So is that sixteen million a holdover from last year, which Councillor Finn says it is? Fair enough, I, I'll take his word for it. But the government needs to say that. I'm sure you've had government ministers answering the budget. Yes, I did.
1: I had Michael McGrath say, but I was not aware of that little paragraph in the budget at that time. But you're saying that Labour are investigating it and questioning in the dial, are they?
6: Yeah, we've, we've, we've parliamentary questions gone into the minister for housing to examine how much exactly year on year has been promised, how much has been drawn down okay. and how much is being pledged
1: Okay, Appreciate the update, i tell you what I will do I'll text Michael McGrath and see if I can get a response from him to clarify this uh, this item in the budget, but thank you for now Peter Horgan uh, Labour, text 0868104106 on this, um, your own thoughts on the event centre, I mean we need it for sure we do, but do we keep pumping money into it, do we, cry halt or just divvy up some more dosh text 0868104106 Now
3: Show, Red
1: FM. All right. Um, uh, all this week we've been giving away Maldon Hotel overnight stays for four people, including dinner. It all started on Monday when I was chatting about the things that people like to do, the everyday things that they like to do to relax and to unwind. And that's certainly what you will be doing at the Maldon Hotel on the South Mall, you and three of your friends. So, four of you would get the overnight stay, and four of you would sit down to a wonderful dinner together, courtesy of ourselves and the Maldon Hotel. So, the different ways that people like to unwind. Now, originally, we were talking about the different tasks uh, that people did. Like people like hoovering, for instance. Others find it very relaxing and therapeutic to hang out the washing. So here are some texts. Um, I relax in the bath listening to the sounds of my husband trying to keep the little toddler under control, knowing I have at least one hour before I have to deal with the consequences. Of removing, of removing myself from the toddler's presence. <laughs> so you're hour in the bath. I'd take a night away in Cork prison at this stage, just for the break. Be an absolute legend that I know you are and pick me for the fabulous hotel stay. I'd think I'd died and gone to heaven, having a full night's sleep without my ninja little boy displaying, displaying his vast ninja skills in his sleep says laura um, i saw somebody post online i can't remember the exact wording of it but it was some tweet that went up online from some woman who was asleep in the lava with the partner next to her uh, all of a sudden right in the middle of the night in the pitch dark your man sits bolt upright in the bed in the pitch dark and shouts out will there be a buffet <laughs> lies back down <laughs> And goes to sleep again. It's one of the funniest tweets I've seen in a long time. If they're not tweets anymore, what are they called? Exes? I don't know. Morning, guys. My way of just de-stressing after my day, I have two things. One is to sit down with my kids and have a laugh. They tell me everything about their day. And two, if everyone has gone off to training in the evenings, I go on the treadmill. It's good for the soul, says Caroline. Um, Does anybody do anything around the house like hanging shelves or doing the hoovering to de-stress? When the two smallies are asleep and I'm all set for the following day, I sit down and watch some TV with a glass of... Aha, you thought I was going to say Pinot Grigio or something. But no, it's Pepsi Max. I'd love a night away with my parents who are 73 and 74. They're fantastic and always helping out, says Eswina O'Donovan. Uh, I relax by ironing while listening to you on the radio, says Elaine in Carrigaline. Flattery will get you everywhere. It's quite interesting, actually. The person there earlier said that they love to sit down and watch television with a glass of Pepsi Max. I just can't get used to Pepsi Max, you know, it's getting harder and harder to get what I think is the most delicious drink on the planet and I have done so since, I don't know, the 1980s and that's Diet Pepsi I actually thought in the wokey-dokey society that we live in now, that Pepsi would have to drop the name and call it I don't know, uh, you know Pepsi Light or something, but they haven't they've left Diet Pepsi, it's just getting harder to, it's getting harder to get, but Pepsi Max, just doesn't do it for me I know it's kind of like the same idea but yeah nah I uh, wouldn't bother uh, Diet Pepsi is the one text 0868104106 back to the phone lines we go and we'll dig into some calls on de-stressing relaxing a little later on this morning Jerry, good morning, good morning Gee, I'm good is this phone line alright for you can you hear me I can do yes ok it's not great you're not on speakerphone are you That's a little Um, bit better. That's a little bit better. So, just so at the moment now we have given uh, fifty-seven million euro towards the um, construction, which hasn't started of the convention centre. Live Nation have given thirty-five million, which means that the project is now sitting at ninety-two million. Mick Finn said that um, they could come calling for another thirty to forty million. Mm. What do you think?
8: Well, I'll be honest now, Neil, I think the whole thing is a fiasco at this stage, right? Um, the government are t- w- throwing taxpayers' money into this, right? And as you probably know well, with BAM being involved, there's always major overruns and and the jobs they do, right? No, well, some of them tax- anyway, yeah. Incidentally, okay. it's not
1: that I haven't asked Bam to comment in the past. I have on a number of occasions, yeah. but they have and, always and dark, declined.
8: And Dorothy won't come on there either.
1: Well, she, keeps on, she keeps on postponing and deferring, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah.
8: know. Yeah. Well, there's a big question mark there, isn't there? Listen and, to me, uh, what, I was, what, I, what the point I really want to drive home on this is, right? This is all taxpayers' money, right? Now, where is that money at the moment, what, number one, is sitting in, in somebody in BAM's account or like nation's account. Why does right? that matter? Why would that matter? Why? Because it wouldn't matter, only because India, like, obviously that amount of money is, is attracting interest, number one. And secondly, if, for argument's sake, BAM go bust, right? What's going to happen to the type uh, Well, I money? mean, like
1: that's that's kind of the ifs and buts and the things that probably well, would not happen. Yeah,
8: well, listen, this whole thing started off right, and when people, other companies, tendered for it, one, the late, one, the calendar, as far as I remember, said at the time that that event center could not be built for that amount of money. Excuse me. Did right? he say that? God Almighty! I, I, his I, words I, well, are right. I I believe so. Okay. No, so I okay.
1: can't prove it. Okay. Right? Okay. We're Just vulnerable. We're vulnerable. So, okay, we are. We are. Yeah.
8: Listen, in the whole court scheme of things, whether it's whether it's this, the HSC or whatever, right? There is no accountability whatsoever.
1: Okay. Okay.
8: All right. right. And so, I think I think I think Neil, in honesty, that somebody. You know, you should ask, where is that money right now? Good question. Is it sitting sitting in the bank account? How much is the interest, right? And in the event that... Sorry, excuse me. In the event... We say that bam,
1: go bus. I know you can't be. It's, don't be saying that, Jerry. That's not fair on the I company know. because they're a very profitable company. They've a lot of work yeah, on the books. Yeah, why they, wouldn't a lot they of be profitable? No, Look it's not that. It. I mean, I wouldn't be putting the fear of God. I mean, anything could happen. I could walk out of here, go into town, be hit by a bus. Do you know what I mean? You can. I
8: I totally agree with you one hundred percent.
1: Right. Okay. I, I tell you all what. I, all I, I
8: want to know, know is is how is the taxpayers' money protected? All right. Okay. How much more? How much more? If I get in a builder in the morning to build an extension or a house, you agree a price, you sign contracts. That's what the contract is.
1: Well, listen, I'm on your side on this. I think it's it's, it's an an enormous increase in the original... Right,
8: and I I think, and Doherty... And auntie should be held accountable as well in this matter because she's, uh, she's hiding behind excuses all the time. All right. Well, my, di- my diary's full of money. That's now. all right.
1: That's all right. I appreciate Me? it. i tell you one thing. Michael Martin's in studio tomorrow morning and this is one of the yeah, first questions um, I'll be asking
8: yeah, him. Yeah, um, yeah ask him okay. i asking I want to know as a taxpayer who has all the money and right. who's getting the interest and where is all this going to stop? Okay. No
1: accountability
8: within
7: the I got you, Jerry. Government. I got you. I have exactly right. the gist of what
1: you want. I'm under on fierce other... pressure, so it has to be really quick. Right. If a man standing by right. okay. needs to go.
8: Right, OK. Very quickly, there are over a thousand people waiting for the primary medical service, right? <coughs> for disabled drivers. Yeah. And... The, the, the board but they resigned over three years ago the appeals board
1: I'll tell you what I'm going to do right I'm going to put you back on hold for that one you can give the notes yes. to Lauren here and I'll get it on the air for you but I really have to keep moving because I'm under fierce pressure for time I read there actually one of the things that we need to do is we need to get it built right get it open and get it up and running because we can at least then start poaching business away from the INEC down in Killarney which is getting all of the lion's share of it down in the south Paul Traveaux the owner of Travot's restaurant the chef won't be happy with me saying that. But good morning to you, Paul, all the same. Hi, leave
9: us alone down here in Clarny, you?
1: you? You guys in
9: Cork, like the people of Ireland have been taken for a ride with that event centre. So much money is being thrown at us that ultimately the builders will build it for free and laugh at everybody. And That's own it 100%. Absolutely, absolutely. The reason why that last caller made a very valid point that these guys agree contracts with goods when they're purchasing the, the material to build it. It's all bought, paid for at a price that was agreed two, three, four, eight years ago. Yeah, I know. When the labour might have got up, but everything else has been agreed and, and sitting in a storage room somewhere. Like everything, we're being taken for a ride. And tell me, has How, the so INEC
1: made it? a huge difference to Killarney trade? Uh, Killarney,
9: like the INEC is fantastic for Kalani. I mean, the amount of business that it brings down is like Killarney would be in trouble without, it was like if you were to say if we were to take the National Park out of Killarney would Killarney suffer of course it would the Killarney uh, the IEC and the Glen Eagle and the Breton like all the hotels like, like you know we all work together hand in hand to create a great product but the IEC is definitely an integral part of that
1: yeah I did, I did speak to a buddy of mine who was down in Killarney last week for two days he said it was very quiet
9: well that depends how long have we got to talk I can, I can give you a few reasons for that but i'll sum it up very quickly if you take 40 percent of the accommodation out of any town the town suffers very simply people of you are nodding their head at me people in westport are nodding their head at me people up in donegal are agreeing with me you can't you can't do something like that and expect it not to have a dramatic effect
1: so you're saying that the hotels flipping to ukrainian refugee accommodation has impacted big time on tourism
9: yeah, and, and you see the, the great thing when falls to Ireland say, oh, but sure, tourism is up, and what did they come out with there the other day, that flights are 104% up from 2019, so the country's booming. Accommodation providers that are giving it to refugees are flying, those that aren't are flying because of the basic laws of flying demand, so obviously they've eliminated half of their competitors. So they're flying but ultimately those on the street on the high street the shops the restaurants the bars the knick shops the souvenir shops the jarvis all these kind of things the hairdressers they're all down because there's 40 percent less people in a town so it doesn't take a genius to figure out the math on this but they don't tell us the maths that we know, they
1: tell us the maths that sound good for them. Yeah, I know. I was just reading you know, I, I, this conversation really was uh, stemmed with regards to the cost of li- or the um, minimum wage increase. So it was, it was, somebody was on News Talk there the last couple of days, a chef was talking about restaurants and was you know, saying things like you can't be comparing restaurant prices in Ireland with Spain. He was saying worse, the fact that the minimum wage in Spain is €7.82 in Ireland it will be €12.70 Um, and uh, don't be uh, comparing the cost of food or drinks in Spain with Ireland and I suppose you go on to say that undoubtedly with the minimum wage increasing will the price of a plate of food go up?
9: Yeah, look, you're going to have the lefty lunatics as I call them that are going to be licking their lips at hearing, ah, boss doesn't want to pay a staff minimum wage or a living wage I would pay my staff gladly 50 euro an hour as long as you don't mind paying 100 euro for a breast of chicken and that's the whole issue it's nothing to do with um you know you don't want to pay an extra 10 cents 20 cents or a euro my problem with the increase of the minimum wage is that it's the biggest scam ever to be pulled off by the government because it's a tax revenue stream for them because ultimately the staff who are supposed to be getting the increase We'll get about half of it. The employer who's paying the extra one euro twenty, give or take, is actually probably paying about 150 160 because he has to pay increased employers in or sign it. So it's revenue who are laughing all the way to the bank because don't forget, Daryl O'Brien and Pascal who stood out and said it's going to cost an extra billion, which has turned into €4 billion now, to house our refugees and our asylum seekers going forward for this year. And no matter what, we will find that money from somewhere.
1: The so budget, actually, extraordinary them. announced $2.5 billion uh, for Ukrainian refugee accommodation, for processing uh, international protection order, people who are coming into the country $2.5 which is a big chunk of change.
9: Yeah, and look, let, let's be very honest about this, Neil. If, if, if France were to invade us, we'd be looking for help, too, as well. Nobody has any objection with helping, protecting, and offering food, shelter, and protection to those that need it most. However, we're not going to be taken for a ride. So when you see that there's anywhere from eighty to 100,000 upward of Ukrainian refugees that have come into Ireland and are being given accommodation, being given food, being given a a HSE card, a medical card, being given free posts, being given all kinds of uh, supplements, and social welfare on top of it, At some stage, somebody has to turn around and go, listen, hang on one second here. We've no problems offering the accommodation and the food, but with the greatest respect, we have a shortfall of about 150,000 people, jobs that need to be filled here in this country. I don't understand why we can't allow them to work. But
1: they are coming off the dole, and you know they are. I see Ukrainians working (laughs) in pubs and restaurants in Karasavine. I see them in Waterville. I see them in Port McGee. I see them in Valencia. They're probably in Killarney as well working. They come off the dole for that.
9: Yeah, 100%, but only a certain percentage of them. That's the problem. I don't understand why we are giving a straight-off, there you are, there's social welfare for you, forever on them. So if you want to work great, if you don't want to work great, it, do, it makes absolutely no sense. Give it four, eight weeks, or something like that, because ultimately, here's what happens, which is exactly what we're seeing. So like you're probably getting texts coming in, here's this lunatic giving out and moaning again. Ultimately, it's follow the money and who pays for it. And the reality is, I'm paying for it, you're paying for it, and every single person here listening is paying for it. Because now, the min- and it's not just the minimum wage that goes up now, because let's just say, make it very easy. Minimum wage is 10 euro an hour, and the next level I have up in a shop or restaurant or cafe or hairdressers is on 12 euro. So the person who goes from 10 to 12, all of a sudden the person who's on 12 says, hang on a second. I'm much more experienced, I have much better qualifications, mm. I want 14, so the guy who's on 14 says, well, if the 12 guys come into 14, well, I'm definitely going to 18, because that's how it works, so it's the knock-on effect, mm. and nobody minds paying, as I said at the start, I would gladly pay everybody 50 euro an hour, but with that comes a cost and comes a price, well, and I- that means a, a steak or a breast of chicken is now 100 euro, or a glass of wine is now, t- and you're going to see... Pints are going to be €7. We give out a Temple Bar charging €10. Euro. Pints are going to be €7 euro across every town in this country before the end of this year. Because if you want to increase those costs, those minimum wage, there's no problem. And by the way, we're the only country in the world that will, to curb inflation, we're going to put the cost of doing business up. Just think about how
1: insane that is. But you see, is, from the point, but from a hu- I know that, but from a human aspect, right, even at €12.70, yes. which will be the new minimum wage in January, it's still €2.10 below the living wage. This is the figure that's been deemed acceptable for people to live in some kind of comfort and safety. So you, you can't just, particularly in hospitality, with all due respect, it's not the greatest payer in the world. So, you know, like, well, what now, do you I do if you don't put I'm the minimum wage up?
9: I'm going to correct you on that. There are head chefs, and you'll have chefs texting in, there's no way. I'm telling you right now, there are head chefs in four, five-star large hotels that are on a six-figure sum. There are restaurant managers in big hotels that are making 40, 50, 60 grand a year. They're Back. the exception, Back. Paul,
1: though. That wouldn't no, be the no, case no, no, in no. a the small inception. restaurant or a deli, for instance.
9: Yeah, yeah, but look, if, if we continuously look to throw money at a problem, to solve that problem, then the money is not the issue. We've got to solve the actual problem. So why has the cost of living gone up? It's gone up because this world government came up with a great idea to shut us all down for two years. Why is rent so expensive? Because global governments have turned around and given accommodation to people coming into this country as opposed to our own. So it's €1,500 to €2,000 a month if you're lucky to find the accommodation. So in order for it to pay all this that they're saying the cost of living has gone up, well, then we're just going to put up the cost of wages. And yeah. I just want to have the spin on effect. And how do I know this is true, Neil? Because I know everyone's listening Well, This guy's mad. How do I know what I'm saying is true? Is because it's what we've done for the last 50, 60 years. Minimum wage has to go up. That will solve everything. It solved nothing. In 12 months' time, we're going to say has to go up again because inflation's gone up again. It has to go up again because to go out for dinner is now 200 euros for two people as opposed to... Ah, yeah, but that, those Euro. figures
1: you're, plicking, you're plucking from the sky it, like will never be... Yeah, well, be in,
9: fairness, I, in fairness, at least I pluck them from the sky. The government bend over and pick it out of each other's holes when they come up with their figures. Yeah, well... So at least I'm, fine, I'm looking at something that we can all see. But you, you haven't come, come up with a
1: solution to help people to uh, make better... Make, I,
9: no, no, that's because you haven't asked me. So I'll <laughs> give you the solution. So the solution is very, very simple. So instead of taxing anyone who's on the minimum wage... All of a sudden, we don't. Now, listen to what I'm saying here. So who's taking the hit? Well, the government is taking the hit, but that's not going to happen. So everybody is removed from universal social charge. Everybody is removed from RFI so that your gross salary now equals your net salary straight away. I've just given more money into every person who's on a minimum wage in this country than they'll what they'll get out of this
1: wage increase that they're talking about.
9: But so I'm giving you your solution. Okay, the so, reason why they won't do it is because it's gonna cost the state to do that. Okay, and so the, the so anything
1: in and around minimum wage, a forty hour a week, you know, should be tax free.
9: 100%, which, why not? I, I just solved the problem. Here's another mad another mad idea to how we do it. And you still say, well, that's still not enough for. Well, here's what we'll do. The government is going to incentivize every business who has somebody on a minimum wage, and we can make it very easy so they have to been on that wage for the last two, three years. You can't just drop people's salary. We're going to give you a grant of 50 euro to the employer to pass directly to the employee. So there's an extra 50 euro given straight away to them.
1: Okay, a couple but of alternatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I ask
9: uh, A of uh, it's, it's a solution that a government will never do because ultimately what they're doing is increasing tax revenue. They don't give a damn if you're on 12 quid an hour. They don't give a damn if you're on 50 quid an hour. All they look at is can I balance my books on budget day? And that's exactly what they've done right now. We have to find, you said 2 billion, it was actually 4 billion that they came out with the cost of refugees in this country for this year. So they have to find that from somewhere. So let's put that up. Let's put excise duty back on. But you're blaming, some would
1: on. call that racist to be blaming refugees or you know, asylum I guess,
9: seekers. See, so, so, I mean, Neil, if you were to call me black, that's great. You can call me black, but I'm not. I'm white. So you can call me racist all you want, but I'm not. Ask my black friend. Ask my friends that come from all different parts of the world ask the people that work with us inside in the restaurant I'm far from raising, I am possibly a dying breed who's just calling a spade a spade. But
1: at the end of the but you works. are saying if it is 4 billion that's been allocated for the budget, it shouldn't be spent are you saying we should close the borders, take no more ask people to leave, stop paying?
9: Well, I tell you what, I'll, ask, I'll answer your question with a question if we think it's acceptable to bring in more people into the country and put them in tents and fields, if we think that's okay then by all means keep bringing them in If we think it's okay to bring people into a country to take up more tourist accommodation, to destroy the high street business and the high street trade, if we think that's okay, then by all means bring them in. If we think it's okay that somebody showed their passport and documentation in France, in Ukraine, in Azerbaijan, or Timbuktu, but can get into Dublin Airport and go, oops, I've mysteriously lost it. I know, I know. And we think that's okay, then by all means bring them in. So don't point the finger at the person who's actually showing the actual problem. Point the finger at these morons up in Leinster House that are facilitating and creating these problems. That's the issue. And we all get one chance, and remember very important, when it comes to the day of voting, there isn't a camera and there isn't a microphone and there's nobody looking at you in the ballot box. And these people need to be taught one lesson and one lesson only in the next general election. Stop taking the piss out of the people of Ireland because we are sick and tired of it. All
1: right, appreciate the um, contribution as always, Paul. Let's see what the public make of our conversation. Paul Travode, owner of Travode's Restaurant in Killarney. Text 0868 Your thoughts, um, particularly if you're impassioned on the topic, you can always pick up the phone on 0818104106 There were a lot of texts from yesterday with regards to issues surrounding uh, the budget. While I feel for St. Vincent de Paul and Penny Dinners, uh, they do help a lot of people, but a lot of elderly people do not get help because they're too proud to contact the agencies. Um, the agencies should be contacting the elderly and asking what they need. They should start the conversation. Actually, Patty O'Brien said that on the air yesterday morning as well, that they are slow to look for help. Um, how much will a bag of coal go up with the increase in the carbon tax? Uh, all the budget baloney and the price of coal has nearly doubled since the Greens came into power. Shame on them. Uh, a lot of people saying, I got 12 euro from the crowd in Dublin. I was born here, I worked here after the death of my husband 28 years ago. I worked for all of the stamps for my pension. Why are the Ukrainian refugees of pension age getting an Irish pension? Why were they given a PPS number? Perhaps if Leo and Hall weren't striving to be the best boys in Europe, Ireland and Germany are the top two countries who pay refugees the highest, Ireland and Germany. It's a joke the size of germany compared to all small ireland of ireland this has to stop we need to stop supporting this war war can end when peacemaking begins and there's those and lots more besides text 0868 we'll come back to
3: this Call the Neil
1: Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106, Red FM. Okay, so indirectly, we're looking at different aspects of the budget. As we talk about, say, for instance, uh, the minimum wage going up to €12.70, the impact it will have on hospitality and the cost of going up for a plate of food or a pint or a burger, whatever the case may be. And then, of course, another aspect of the budget is the figure that's been allocated for uh, refugees and asylum seekers which is, um, my understanding is it's two and a half billion but it depends on how you add it all up it could actually be four Four and a half billion, if you look at some other departments, they're also getting uh, help with regards to processing and helping to find accommodation. So we're certainly talking a number of billion. Uh, your thoughts on that and indeed what Paul Traveau had to say, text 0868104106. I will come back to this, but I want to use this opportunity because I don't want to lose it uh, because um, I've got Mark to talk to and I've got Will to talk to and Chris to talk to. I know we spoke recently about loss. Um, now, we've all, we all go through it. Uh, it's, it's the circle of life uh, you know sometimes you can have the tragic loss of somebody way too young you hear people dying in their 40s or 50s or 60s or even 70s uh, and you think you know way too short uh, you know you could say the same my, my own father was like will uh, be 19 next April and it doesn't make any less of a loss it's, um, it's always hard in the end um, and you often hear of people then saying "I oh, had a good life or people had a good life but you know it makes no difference the length of life loss is loss but what if it was a baby um, what if it was people who lost babies um, just very very close to delivery or very close to arriving into the world or soon after and we often talk about it through the prism um, of um, the mother um, or the females thoughts are indeed um, emotions but very little conversation is ever done with regards to the dads involved in the sad loss uh, and that's why i want to talk to chris first chris good morning you hear me okay my friend yeah perfect okay and and you, you Fel- Felicon is an organization that helps what is it grieving dads primarily
10: uh, no, it's the National Association for Overall um, uh, Parents and Support for for Parents um, and then Felicon Dads, which we would be involved in, that's which Mark set up in life. Cork. Yes, yeah. that's, uh, obviously then that's the kind of father's part of it. So I think yeah. the feeling at the time was, you know, men don't really speak about these sort of things or they find it hard to speak or it, it takes them a while to speak. Um, so that that's kind of where this came from with Mark all. Yeah, I, yeah. I have I have and, uh, Mark actually
1: on another line here. Mark, good morning. Hey, morning, Neil, morning, morning my friend. You? Was that was that the reason really that men just kinda of clam up or don't express their emotions or their grief or their loss?
11: Hundred percent, hundred percent. That was a whole that was a whole you know, thought process behind Failure Calm Fathers. And this was you know, we initiated it in Dublin some time back, but I wanted to bring it to Cork and um it's definitely proven successful because you know there's no pressure fathers feel a bit more in, in a formal environment fathers feel a bit more pressurized to talk or not talk as as the case may be having a kick around with a football uh you know having a whatsapp group it's a little bit more informal you feel a little bit more secure because you're around fathers who are in the same boat as you understand exactly the thoughts and feelings you're having so yeah absolutely it was it was you know we're not great men at mm-hmm. dealing with our emotions and we're not certainly not great at dealing with, with, with grief either so um, we, needed to, we needed to start something and we're starting small but ultimately you know, we'll grow I'm sure
1: um, were, were, Was it a case that men bottled it up or was it a case that nobody asked them how they were feeling?
11: Well a bit of both actually so I'll use myself as an example I definitely bottled it up so when my son Isaac passed away in 2013 it took me three years before I hit a wall where I needed to go into counselling. It was as simple as that. Not, I hadn't said a thing. And you're, you're right, Neil. Actually, funny enough, what you said there is is always people always ask uh, the mother, how are you doing? But the father's very much in the background when you ask that question. And um, that was something I was very aware of, and it happened to me. So ultimately... You know, in 2016, it was the I hit the wall, and it was time to you know we had to do something. And I'm just sort of trying to use that experience. And and Fela Khan have supported me all the way through this. Remember, so it's not this is not just my journey. This is the Fela Khan journey as well.
1: And in both of your cases, Chris, jump in if you're comfortable talking yep, about um, you yeah. know your your own little little baby and your wife Colette. What what happened?
10: It was like 30, 38 weeks in, was it? Uh, no, it was um, kind of the 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 first problem I suppose uh, kind of came then. Colette, well, Klet went for her scan as normal, and they said everything was fine. And then I think two days before his due date, uh, she felt something was was definitely not right. Um, so the, the, that was, I suppose, the early hours of the Monday morning. So she went off up to the hospital, and I dropped our uh, two and a half year old up the and I followed, but as soon as I got into the room. You know, the atmosphere, it was Colette and a doctor and a nurse and they were doing a scan and I knew there was something wrong and then the nurse said, no, or the doctor sorry, said, no, I, I definitely can't find the heartbeat. So we were sent down to another room where they did a more extensive um, scan, you know. Even, you know, when you're going into that room, the kind of nurses and reception kind of area outside, it's, it's very kind of, you know, down... There's no one kinda of cheery around like nope, that. no It's there confirmed. for a specific purpose, yes. Yeah. yeah. So they confirmed absolutely no, unfortunately the baby hasn't made us. And then that evening Klesh went into labor and in the early hours of the tenth of March, which was his due date, Tomas was delivered and was later diagnosed with an umbilical cord hematoma. What does that, that mean?
1: That you said beautifully you say Tomas was born sleeping. What what was what was the cause?
10: Basically, um the, the um, umbilical cord starts to kind of swell up and slowly closes so obviously that's, that was his life support um, and it wasn't picked up on any of the scans so it it stopped everything going to him I suppose um, how long it was there we're not sure but he was absolutely fully formed he was a nice you know good size of a baby that sort of um, how did
4: you feel
1: no disrespect to Colette now, or indeed Marksman, yeah, but how, how did you feel?
10: It's a bit hard to explain. It's, um, you kind of feel a lot of things in one go, and then almost nothing at the same time. Like, you can't really think. It's more of a, not, it's more of a, why did this happen, and why did it happen to Tomás, why it's happening to us, particularly Tomás, I suppose, and, you know... I suppose you're initially kind of looking for blame like you know whose fault is it um, yeah. You know, who, who caused this for us and some things just happen. Um, and then you just can't think at all, which is where Failicon And there's another charity called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, Kminte, this photographer, Jane Thomas, so she came out to our house later on and took family photos of the four of us, um, which we have up. Uh, she fantastic photos. You, you would, looking at them, they look like a, a happy... Family scene, you know, which obviously they aren't. But she was able to pick the moments to do it. So we have those photos up at home, and then we're because you're not thinking straight. I'd never heard of either of these charities before the tenth of March. Um, they come in and they do things like a memory box. So a lot of small things like yeah, maybe. Were you a able bit to hear? Yeah.
1: Were you able to function um, though? I mean, were you able to go about other life tasks, n- job,
10: no, yeah, we, another child. No, uh, we did, yeah, sorry, after a while you do, uh, Rian Rian was born, he's going to be two next month, but as Mark said, it takes a while, like I was kind of bottling things up a bit and ended up having an epileptic seizure, which I didn't even know I had epilepsy, it was kind of in the background, so it all kind of, um, you know, Call. The uh, the neurologist thinks it was probably a lot to do with that stress and maybe lack of sleep because I was struggling to sleep as well. Um, so that's, I think that is an issue with a lot of a lot of dads. And there's uh, like a lot of the guys I know, Will uh, had a baby there recently. I know there's another couple of lads, their wives are pregnant. We had Rhian two years ago. So um, I wouldn't say you function. It's always kind of there, but... In some ways, then you have to kind of, you know, we would like, we obviously we wanted to have kids, Rian is our third kid, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, like it still would be in your mind a lot of time, especially it kind of pops in when you see something. You might see a child doing something, or you know, he might see a young fella playing football, or you might hear, oh, you know, it could be the simplest things, yeah. And you're going, yeah. yeah. Tom also won't get to do that, yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I did say recently that. Even the simplest thing you could think of—a laugh, a smile, a cry—anything like that, he didn't get to do. And then, I suppose that's as well as Felicon, That's where I found family and friends really kicked in. Um, like it was, I suppose it was their loss as well, but they're huge help then to us. Um, you know, just it's simple things like calling up to the house. um Maybe, you know, will we go for a bite to eat? Do you want to go for a walk somewhere? Like, obviously, I can't drive because of epilepsy, but people will come up and, you know, go off somewhere to do, might be a training or a walk. And that's, you know, recently one of the lads called up and we went into Turner's Cross, you know, this sort of thing. So that's just kind men, of are Men, men are
1: getting better then, are they? Reaching out and saying, how are you doing? Do you need help? How's it going? Yeah.
10: I think, um, like, I never, like, I never obviously thought about before, but I think there was maybe a reluctance with a lot of grief and in, in different types of grief to kind of say, if I ask them how they're doing now, oh, you might upset them. That's Whereas it. Whereas predic- yeah. particularly with kids and chil- you want to talk about your children, and everyone does, you know, your children are your children. Yeah. You're you're, yeah. you're proud yeah. of them. So, yeah. uh, like myself and would we have three children. We would name or on Tomás and Ryan as our children, you know, he, he's part of our family. So uh, I do think not just the dads, but I suppose by the dads being more open about it, society in general can go, actually, you know what? let's have a chat as opposed to don't say anything because you might get upset. That's the
1: thing, you'd be kind of reticent because there's this old-fashioned thing, uh, man up, you know, you know, get on with it, um, like, get over it kind of thing. And it's, it's completely wrong, really. It's, it's a devastating event. Isn't that right, Chris? I mean, everything was going fine with regards to Colette as well. Isn't that right? There was
10: no yeah, issues? Yeah, everything, everything was perfect. And then, of course, the issue, well, I found anyway, was when Colette was pregnant with Rean, everything was fine. As well, that's, and you're yeah, going hold on a minute until Rean is in her arms. Oh, absolutely,
1: he saw, uh, yeah, yeah. You'd always be on tangoes. And Mark, in your own case with Isaac, what, was it was it a similar type story? No, um, not really. Well,
11: I suppose similar in terms of the shock. Obviously, we went up for just a normal 36 week appointment. Uh, myself and my wife Jill, and uh, everything was going right. Uh, you know, there was there was no apparent issue until he uh, Isaac got a little bit. Uh, lazy um that morning and his movement had decreased and um even the you know the energy drinks couldn't wake him up which is a, a thing the nurses give to the, the the mothers just to try and wake baby up and um
1: and then I, I suppose he the takes the step. energy drink because baby is um not really kicking or reacting in the womb kind of thing
11: absolutely so it wakes him up pretty sharpish yeah. and, and that cold at the coolest as well and then as Chris quite rightly said you get taken into the scan room and it's sort of ultimately everything goes quiet then and I was still usual optimistic self I was going oh it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine until it wasn't and Isaac was um we had to do an emergency section my wife Isaac was born he actually lived for two days in neonatal um and then he was diagnosed with what we call trisomy 13 which is non-conducive with life so um he, um, we, I had to turn off his life support. How did they
1: break that news to
11: you? Well, going back, they, he, I have to say that the doctors and nurses were unbelievable. But you know, they, they just, uh, the, they just come up to you and they start talking. You know, through, you know, what, you know, what you want to do. They very much focus on you, which is great. You know, we can keep Isaac here. You know, he just stayed neonatal. Obviously, he's been supported with breathing and so on and so forth. And but obviously, we're, as parents, your, the first thing you want to do is make sure your child's not in pain. So yes. After, after two days, it was a case of you know, I I said, look, uh, we 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 would like to take him off the life support now. Um, you know, we were hoping we'd get some you know breathing, and he'd breathe on his own to start um, for a little while, and he did in fairness a, a couple of minutes, which was great. Um, but but after that, then it was a case of, um, you know, you know, out of neonatal up into COMH4 South as it was back then, and spending as much time as you can with Isaac. And again, this is where Craylecon came in because they had the cuddle cots available, which is the cuddle cots, which are like a, a very cold bed that help baby. And this is horrible, but it's help preserve, baby, if, I you, know. if you want, I you know, so I, you I, mean, I
1: don't, yeah. it's not, not a great word there, but you no, know what I think people, people understand what you're saying. But the fact of yeah. you having to make the decision to switch off life support, that's heartbreaking to hear, you know, that's oh,
11: it was incredible. And one of the one of the one of the, the greatest things I remember, the neonatal nurse coming up to me and I remember, you know, it was 7 p.m. on the 6th of April 2013. And We said seven o'clock. We had that in our heads, and they removed his um, breathing apparatus. And at that point, he gave me a smile, and it was the only smile he gave. Oh it was almost it, it was almost a thank you. And I that that's what I take with me every single day. I
1: know you do, so, and you'll never forget that.
11: Ever? Uh, uh, no, no. It's a journey that we're on forever, and uh, we're, we're fortunate, we have people around us. And again, I have the Chris's, the Wills of this world, who I can reach out to if
1: I need. But did you struggle? I've asked, I've asked, I've asked Chris that question. Did you struggle after the passing of your son?
11: Yeah, absolutely. So the, we were in, we were again. CMH were great. We were in, we were with Isaac in CMH from the fourth when we went in for our scan to the ninth when we took him out to um, take him to be um, buried. And they were uh, uh, throughout that whole time. I was an absolute mess, and I, I and I, I happily say that. I was I, I could not there was no crying left of, left in me uh come the, the night the night of April So that that's very day, interesting
1: that, day, yeah. that you were emotionally discharging whereas Chris I think his words where he went numb for a long period of time so maybe yeah. you react differently right
11: 100% and again it go very different you know I was emotionally discharging but when and after that I went in. I think you said something about you know. Did you just get you know function? Well, I actually did. I I did everything but grieve. I did cutting the hedges. I did mowing the grass. I did housework. I did everything, almost to avoid because I was trying to support my wife and and my eldest son Quinn at the time, and I forgot about me. And my I went. In, you said about this. A strong, you know, mentality. man up, yeah,
1: men don't, up, men
11: don't man up. Man up. Yeah, 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 exactly, that's the, do you know what, That you couldn't describe it any better, honestly, that is exactly what I did, but that only lasts so long, Neil, it really does, because it has, something has to give, something has to give, and I'm well aware of that now, which is why I, you know, again, I'm, I, I now, I volunteered for Fela Khan before, now I work for them, and I'm very aware, when it comes to the fathers, the dads that I meet, that I put myself out there, as do all of the Philcon volunteers and staff, just to, we're here for a conversation, because that's massively important. No,
1: I wanted to talk to both of you, and I'll have an opportunity after 11 to talk to Will, uh, with regards to his story, I wanted to talk to you to let men know that it mm. is okay to grief, it is okay to express emotions, to ask for help, and it's okay for others to say... Are you all right? Can I help? Do you want to go for a pint? Go for a walk? Go to a match? Do you know what I mean? It's very important. And I, I not, notwithstanding all of the work that Felicon dads do themselves, but this is yeah. maybe to the general public the purpose of this conversation to say, you know, uh, reach out. You know, don't, don't be, don't feel alone. Don't bottle it up, right?
11: Yeah, absolutely. Do not, do not bottle it up because that has a massively detrimental effect on your mental health, and it will actually have a, a detrimental effect on your relationships with other people as well. And ultimately, you, what the, the, you know—the beauty of what we are—what we are is that we know, we understand. So, if you want somebody to understand exactly where yeah. you are, please reach out. Can if I ask both really of you? What? I
1: won't keep you much longer now, but can I ask mo- much, both of you? Do you find that that like do you come across case histories where relationships struggle after something like this?
11: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think I think myself and my wife would have said. Uh, we definitely had our struggles because I was doing everything but grieve where all she wanted to do was, you know, curl up on the couch and, you know, grieve Isaac, which absolutely is fine. And this is where, again what we need to be aware of is how men grieve versus how women grieve, you know, and ultimately, this is the most devastating loss you are ever feel. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've it said that to strain. anybody yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it does put a strain, absolutely. We've actually come out the other end probably stronger but initially, you're thinking, you know, doom and gloom ultimately in terms of your relationship. We're not but
10: going
1: actually, to survive. Then. Have you thoughts on that,
10: Chris, incidentally? Um, well, Mark would know just because of the volunteering and because of working with Failicon, he'd know a lot more people going through it than I would but, I haven't really found um certainly not husband and wife relationship um breaking down anyway. Um I I suppose myself and Cless were you know, you're trying to support each other as well, so she might have grieved a bit and then I might have, you know, done a bit and, and it was a bit back we weren't we'll say we weren't exactly on the same wavelength of grieving, but it was never an issue I suppose. Um and what I found actually was kind of a load of people have mentioned that people that i know have mentioned to me since that they went through that as well which i i was a bit surprised uh, taken up but like when i went back to work i think the first day i was back to work five dad said it to me that they had been through the same thing oh it's, it's it's a
1: lot more common than you think I mean I know in our household and my brothers and sister won't mind me saying this but um, we had a, a a little girl who should have come home and my mother went in to give birth and everything was supposedly fine and Finbar, Finbar- was talking about an awful long time ago but sadly um came out of the womb and uh, had already passed away. We, we I was a child at the time, but I don't know what conversations my mother and father had. We were told, do not talk about it. Don't bring it up in the home. I don't know how my father reacted to it nor am i sure how my mother reacted to it because it wasn't it was just this did not happen do not talk about it um i i still to this don't to this day do not know where that child was buried or or what happened next i imagine it would be in uh, an infant plot in st finbar's so we've come a long way in that regard you know yeah
10: i think like even the the burial part of it I know just from listening to people talking and that they'd say you were kind of encouraged not to even see the baby. You know, the baby was out and taken away, um, and then maybe buried. I know there's a, a kind of a newer plot down in St Michael's as well, and yeah. there's a, an older plot in say the older part of the the cemetery, kind of in opposite corner. So it has been happening. In the now, we were offered. Do you want to go to the plot, which they'll look after? Um, like it's, you know, no problem. You do everything exact, the exact same. But he can be buried in that plot. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I
1: I understand that aspect. But I'm about the reaction to it—that don't talk about it. It didn't happen. Yeah, don't bring it up. You don't be upsetting people. You know.
10: Yeah, we have been told that that was the way it was before. Yeah. And Oh yeah. But now I think even if you are using the plot um, in the cemeteries, it's not it's been used for the purpose of there's where you can go to you know visit your child that sort of thing I know Um, as opposed to in the past we were told it's in the plot and that's it
1: okay okay listen guys thank you so much for coming on this morning i really appreciate it because it does shine a light on the work that's been done and that there is help for dads um and i'll give out the contact details on it but thank you so much chris and mark i Lee- wish you both sorry
10: well. neil i don't know now you're probably under time pressure but you just mentioned shining a light there that the global wave of light um is on sunday at seven o'clock um so basically people are asked to light a candle just in memory of um, babies and children who who were you know lost their life far too young uh, at eleven o'clock. Thing. Okay. What a beautiful And then thing. as as the world moves the next time zone goes into it. So basically you, you have a wave of light across the world for twenty four
1: hours. That's a wonderful thing. I'm glad I didn't miss that part. Well said thank you both. Thank you Chris. Thank you, Mark. If anybody feels they need help in any way, shape, or form, remember that Felicon is there and also Felicon Dads uh, for our area. It's an 085 number 249-6464, Back after 11, that and lots more besides. A lot of calls held over as well on different topics this
3: morning. Now. Show, Red FM.
1: Insane busy these days, but you wouldn't want it any other way. The Maldron Hotel in the South Mall have given me daily overnight stays. Well, should I say overnight stays to give away every day is the correct grammatically way to put it. But four people and dinner is included. So an overnight stay for four of you, dinner included. We've been asking people how they unwind, how they relax. Ultimately, the tasks are the chores that you do help you to unwind and de-stress I enjoy cooking Indian food (laughs) it's a short and sweet one for me if I have a stressful day I always find organising my wardrobe relaxing says Tracy from Castle Martyr pulling everything out colour coordinating and putting it all back in again best way to unwind for me is simple just quality time with my husband nothing better than the catch up and relax says Laura what I find relaxing is spending time with my horse just me and him I can just forget everything around me for just those few hours. Off on a gallop. Um, you spoke about baking as a way of relaxing. Can I tell you, my brother bakes on the weekends. He also has a baking blog known as The Skinny Baker on Facebook. He writes every week for the Killarney Advertiser. Give him a shout-out. His name is Dennis Kelleher, The Skinny Baker. Check him out. I love clearing the ashes out of the fire. I hate that job. We have an open fire in McGee again. I, I love putting everything into it and lighting it and messing with it but I hate cleaning it out I love cleaning the ashes out of the fire the day after lighting it and then polishing the fireplace to bring it back to its shiny black colour the mixture of ash and polish smell is unreal now that's the kind of text that I'm looking for with regards to doing some chore that helps you unwind because I would just avoid that like the plague I'd like to do a bit of crochet or solve puzzles I like to look at items and recreate things that I see in crochet form. And one more. The thing I do to relax is to go stargazing in the back garden, weather permitting. I would gladly sit in the pitch dark on my recliner in the flat-out position with a blanket, if it's cool, and a flask of tea. I'd have binoculars, but it's actually better sometimes without them. The things you see whizzing around the sky at night, Neil, are unbelievable, from shooting stars to satellites and other weird things and to top it off i might have a bit of company in the form of hedgehogs and mice mooching through the garden and bats zipping round catching moths i know you were looking for funny stories but no not necessarily funny stories that's a very that's a very entertaining text but with the fresh air and the twinkling stars it's great for emptying your head of the hustle and bustle of life i see i feel so much better after a few hours of stargazing and actually i get a good night's sleep Thank you for that. That's another award winning contribution. Text O eight six eight one oh four one oh six. Calls on the way.
3: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 818
1: Red FM. Tomorrow morning, uh, fingers crossed everything will be okay. Micheál Martin will be in studio just after the 9 o'clock news. If you have a question for the Tornishta, then you can either text it to 868 or email neil at redfm.ie. If you have a question, contribution or a comment to make, get in touch. Text 868 email neil at redfm.ie. Certainly. I have a few questions myself, and amongst them will be our conversations this morning surrounding the event center and issues like that, but I want your contributions, so get involved in that one. You control the narrative. Can I just say I was chatting earlier on with Chris and Mark with regards to the uh, you know processing uh, the loss of a child um, and um, it it is also reminding us that there is help for men, for dads out there because all too often to some extent perhaps dads are forgotten or that they don't communicate or that they don't open up and that's what Felicon support is there for 85 Can I just have a quick chat with Will if you don't mind I didn't get to him before 11 but I want him to tell us about little baby Hope Will good morning um, my apologies I don't seem to have him on the was there a line for that or will I come okay alright okay I will come back to him I think that line dropped so I, I won't forget about him I promise you that we'll come back to it let me just go to other matters then oh this is a bizarre story actually absolutely bizarre you have to ask yourself who's watching and what do they know about us Claire, good morning good morning Neil how are you I'm well um, the world that we live in tell us about the so letter who's
12: watching us I heard you saying who's watching us yeah, big brother
1: uh, yeah what happened
12: I was here on Monday morning and got a letter from the revenue commissioners, Marie, the vacant homes tax. And I was looking at it saying, what is this about? They have defined my family home, where I I live here now. Yeah, I live alone. I'm widowed. I'm a pensioner. I live alone. My electricity usage is low. So they have decided that I and 25,000 others in the country are probably liable for the vacant home tax because I'm using low electricity. They're getting their information from the ESB networks.
1: What's low now? What would you describe as being low electricity?
12: I I have very low usage of electricity. My house is very... It's a terraced house. It's very well insulated. I just use the normal fridge, washing machine, stuff like that.
1: Do you have a bear rating on it? B3. No, that's very impressive. Yeah. Did you get work done to it or something?
12: No, it was that when I moved in here.
1: Lucky you. Is it an old house?
12: It's an old house, but I had been insulated.
1: Somebody did a job in it because old houses like that could have had a bur rating of an F. Eggs. I
12: know exactly. I moved. To, I downsized when my husband died five years ago.
1: Good choice of place with a bur rating. Yeah. Like, so you. So what do you so use?
12: I use the normal things. I have electric cooking. I'm only cooking for myself. I have a fridge freezer. I have a washing machine. I have a Hoover, a microwave, a kettle. You know, the usual, TV. But That's what about subway. heat? That's gas.
1: Ah, oh, so your electricity will be, don't you, particularly... And have you a smart meter and tariff plans and all that kind of thing? I
12: have, a, I have a smart meter, but I refuse to turn it on. Why? Because a smart meter for me would pull up my electricity costs.
1: Not if you use... There are different tariffs for different parts of the day. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but... but.
12: Yeah, there are at that stage, but I'm only cooking for myself. I'm not cooking for a family and not facilitating anyone else. I don't have any family here. Both my kids live abroad.
1: Okay, so what would a typical two-monthly electricity bill be?
12: My last one was 90-something euro.
1: For two months? Yeah. And would that be an average two-monthly bill all year?
12: Well, it would be a bit higher in the winter. But so you see, how I then... Think, did, yeah, go on. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Like I said, my kids live abroad. I went and visit them for a few weeks at a time.
13: You know? Yeah, so there's like, no I have one
12: in North America and one in Asia. There will be no electricity for four weeks and maybe another three weeks or, you know, whenever I might go. I will go away for Christmas or whenever. Yeah, I know. Like last Christmas, I went away for a month. There was no electricity, no gas being used. So therefore, it brings my bills right down.
1: So, at some stage then, uh, you got mm -hmm. a bill. Did you get a bill from revenue?
12: I got a letter to saying, data available to revenue indicates that you may be liable to this tax.
1: They got that that one. mm -hmm. They got that one badly wrong.
12: Yeah. You are required to confirm if your property is liable by the 7th of November. Now, I was able to go on to revenue. I was able to say, no, this is my primary thing. I rang the LPT. They said, oh, there's 25,000 of those going out. And I read now on the business post, there's another 65,000 letters due to go out to people with low electricity use.
1: But the, just because they have low electricity use t- shouldn't dictate that they get a letter saying that they're vacant homes. Exactly. I mean that's an invasion of privacy. Say.
12: Yeah. And what about the G D P thing GDPR. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it,
1: yeah. Why are but the ESB or Electric Ireland, who, who who are you with?
12: Is that I'm not with them? I'm with a different company, but the ESB networks have the electricity usage of every premises in the country,
1: and they passed on your low electricity usage to the revenue
12: usage to the revenue
1: commissioners. So the revenue then decide they'll take a punt. You never know what we might hoover on. Yeah, up.
12: yeah, <laughs> and they sent out twenty five thousand of these letters. Now the first time around the LPT. I was saying, was well, the census, because I filled out the census showing that it was my private home.
3: Yeah.
12: You know, I mean, I'm getting the state pension. It's registered here. That's right. Yeah. So I, I mean, just, live here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, as and in, yeah, as sent- if there's no one living in the house, but of course the pension would know that you're in the house. So, where's the exactly. joined up thinking? Yeah. Do you think there there's many other people means- out there in a similar situation?
12: I'd say there's loads of people and lots of people would be scared of this because I find it extremely intimidating, extremely intimidating that I worked and paid my taxes here all my life and this is what I get at my age.
1: That state bodies you know? think that there's nobody in the house, that it's a vacant property and no one's there.
12: Because, because I have low electricity usage because I go and visit my family for maybe a few weeks. So that brings my thing down. And as I said to you, like my bear is high, so I don't need as much heating no, as other older
1: no, people. Oh, no, you're having a lovely, comfortable retirement in fairness to you. Just on that note, you, you, really are, you really are enjoying retirement, aren't you? Well,
12: look, if they want to bring me out to visit them, why would I stay here on my own? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And are they, know in, I mean? are they in sunnier climates? Well,
12: one is in North America, so that's hot and cold. And the other one is nearer, is in constant sunshine, um, sort of tropical, very
1: blooming hot though. (laughs) Is it too hot for you out there?
12: A bit too hot, average 35 degrees
1: all year, you know. (laughs) Too hot for me too. They They don't have any electricity bills out there, I'd say.
12: Oh, God, they do. Yeah, for the aircon. Oh, <laughs> that's the... the th- yeah, yeah,
1: that's a, yeah, that's the downside to it. But you are enjoying yeah. retirement, though. I mean, you sound as if you're kept active, you're travelling a lot. Well,
12: or- I am on my own, which is a bit of a bag. Like, but, yeah, I am. I just try and keep going as best I can. But I don't like getting these letters. No, in the nor postures. should
1: you. No, no, no. It's, it's and a, I
12: shouldn't be getting them.
1: It's a serious thing. I mean,
12: as I said, if there was joined up thinking, if the revenue and social welfare spoke to each other,
1: Nobody, you know what I mean? should, nobody should get a vacant home tax letter yeah. unless the electricity was zero, for God's sake. You there are billions exactly. Who do they think is using it? I know we're coming up to Halloween, but it's not ghosts. I
12: know, yeah, and what do they think that suddenly, oh, it's vacant for a month now, there's no electricity used there, but then the bill comes in the next month, am I just meant to be flitting in and out? No,
1: that's stupid, I know, you are busy. They're just looking at the
12: overall annual thing and saying, no, she's low, That thing, and I'm part of the, I'm reading the article here in the Business Post, um, they identified this data to arrive in an initial database of approximately 25,000. You're saying thousand, which may be,
1: on top of that.
12: And they're talking about another 65,000 are going to be even on the low scale that no, they I could know. be coming I at I wonder if anybody That's else frightening has frightening people
1: it is for sure it is um, I'd say you're a big brave girl though and you wouldn't get frightened easily I know you're a bit of a jet setter but it's still your home
12: <laughs> well I wouldn't call it a jet setter I'm just going to visit the grandchildren you know what I mean <laughs> and the kids right. I'm right. not exactly going and going <laughs> lap of luxury I mean like I say if they I want would... to bring me out to visit them I will gladly and get, and get on a plane one
1: final question when you get on the airplane you go up the steps right do you turn left or do you turn right
12: Oh, I'm afraid I'm still turning right. <laughs> They're not quite that. They're not doing that. They're not doing that well at all. You know.
1: I know it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. See other people turning left. Oh God! <laughs> I know. Wouldn't it be lovely? Because wouldn't it be lovely? It,
12: or my son now—it's a twelve-hour flight out of Europe, and left would be lovely, but no. <laughs>
1: Thanks for I'm taking
12: still, the call. Still,
9: still in the right.
12: Thanks for okay. taking the
1: cog, Claire. Good luck. All right. Good luck. Bye. Cheers. All the best. Bye bye. Text <laughs> Turning left or right. Uh, with regards to the event centre, the event centre will work out more expensive than the farce that the children's hospital has turned into. Uh, another one. That chap talking about the event centre said, a lot of water under the bridge. What he should have said is, a lot of millions under the bridge. Um, that's with regards to Councillor McFinn. Surely all councillors should be totally up to speed all of the time with taxpayers' money being paid to the event centre. Well, it's not as if they don't ask questions. BAM has been running rings around this government for years with every project they do. Nothing happens um, like that in other European... Well, we, how do you know that? I mean, an issue did a drill into every single country with public tendering. The RT debacle will only be trotting after this money in this carry-on 8 years later. Uh, the event centre will have to be 10,000 to 15,000 seater to be a success. The big acts need bigger venues. The smaller venues, like 5,000 seaters, are pink elephants for many of the big acts. This government doesn't ever learn again, like Cork Airport, the Children's Hospital, and now the event centre. Bam! I've got an astronomical amount over the original quotation. Hall and Leah would want to wake up and, bottle, and, and get a bottle of cop on. Throwing away taxpayers' money, they're just a bunch of money grabbers, says a loyal listener. And then a huge response on Paul Trevo, Donna Killarney, and his thoughts. I mean, loads and loads of them will pick up on those and calls after the break.
3: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818 104
1: 106. So maddening that our leaders, are they're described here as millionaire leaders, giving given away. Um, I don't know what the exact figure is, it's certainly north of 2.7 billion Certainly two and a half billion of my hard earned money when I can get no home help and expensive fuel roll on the revolution. And that's from, uh, um, probably a, somebody of pension age. Uh, you left Michael McGrath off lightly yesterday when it came to light that Ireland is giving Ukrainians twice in trouble what other countries in the world do. This opt out that we have international obligations is a cop out that they use. We could cop out and we should opt out. Uh, But I suppose the Irish taxpayer must pay to make Martin look good to secure his commissioner's job in Europe next year. Fair enough, I have no problem taking criticism, but it's I brought up the question. It's I saw the number and the figure in the budget. So I actually raised the question. I don't know if anybody else raised the question. You're giving me grief then uh, for letting him off lightly. It's I brought it up, so I did ask the question, the limited time I had. Uh, When I hear every time you have to look at the round, look at everything in the round, does that mean... They say that in the budget. Does that mean if you keep going round and round many times, you'll get dizzy enough to confuse yourself and believe the politicians that it's a good budget? Uh, Do you as an Irish citizen think we are getting a good bang for our buck? Because I can tell you what I believe. We got rid of the British, and we all remember the brown envelope time with the politicians. Then there was the tax amnesty. Just look at the money the wealthy people were able to clean up. No questions was asked on where they got all their wealth. Just bring it back Uh, tax pay tax and we'll ask no questions Uh, the tax amnesty if i remember back then the government took in 20 times more tax from these offshore accounts but that just tells you the amount of money the irish were being ripped off by in my opinion we've never gotten good bang for our buck here i'll finish with this looking up on what inheritance tax uh, would uh, a child would have to pay on inheriting the family home in ireland do you know what google told me all the way and ways google told me all the ways i could avoid paying inheritance tax if this is what's on Google, I'd love to know when a wealthy person who made their money here in Ireland, how and what would they give their children in inheritance? OK, you bring up a lot of points there. Don't worry about the government money for Cork. Dublin are getting £9.5 billion. That's £9,500 for their new metro. We're only getting peanuts down here. So keep them coming. On a lighter note, I was telling you earlier on this morning that today is International Martin Day for anybody with the Christian name Martin um, and I was asking people to let us know about Martins that they know of here's a selection if your name is Martin Martin you should get a full day off work <laughs> are there any Martin Martins out there what about Martin Cahill lads the original general Martin McGuinness A lot of people said Linda Martin. Well, that's a surname. Um, A lot for Martin Cahill and Martin McGuinness. Martin O'Mahony put Blarney on the industrial map when he founded the woolen mills. The greatest Martin of them all, Martin Cahill the General. Loads of them. My dad's name and my brother's name are Martin. Big Martin and Small Martin. Big Martin is 71 and Small Martin is 45. So good morning to the two Martins, both of them Buckleys. My neighbour is Martin and his wife is... (laughs) My neighbour is Martin and his wife is Martina so it's a double celebration in Kentuck. In uh, enjoy the double celebration for the day that's in it Martin and Martina in country areas you'd have lots of people of the same name they'd be like Mickey, Mickey 2, Mickey Jr Mickey, Mickey Jr and things like that Martin King the TV presenter on TV3 says Elaine and Boeing. there's a few from Martin King, King actually my best friend in the world is called Martine her mother named her after Saint Martin Hope she enjoys her special day, says Norma. Well, unfortunately, you can't own this one. This is just for the men or the boys or the girls who are named Martin. Not Martine or not Martina. The best Martin in Ireland is definitely my poppikins, Martin Cannon. He will his 60th birthday this month and over the years has stepped into the role of father for 38 children on our last count. This would not have been possible without the help of mum, of course, He also drives a CDP bus and is mad about all his service users who he goes above and beyond for. He's always available if someone's car breaks down or you just need a chat, an ear to bend or a bit of advice. Of course, in my eyes, there is no better Martin in Ireland than Martin Cannon. Um, Now, tell me this. I'd love to know a little bit more about how Martin stepped into the role of a father to 38 children on your last count. Would you please come back and tell me more about that? I'd love to talk to your popikins, Martin Cannon. Cannon. Even better if it was on today, uh, International Martin Day. Anyway, pick up the phone 0818104106 as I go back to the phone lines. Ryan! How are you? I know you're under pressure. We have some great prizes this week, courtesy of ourselves and the Maldron Hotel and the South Mall, overnight stay for four people, including dinner. It's on the best calls and texts as to how people de stress and relax, right? And you're yeah. the man that cleans out the fire. That's correct. <laughs> I hate it,
7: that
14: it, job. It how in the name it, of God? Go on. How does it, it, it. It's such a strange one, but like, you know, I love. Um, So like I have a diffuser in my room So I love like different scents and stuff It just relaxes me So the scent of like polish And like the ashes from the fire I just love the combination of both I don't know how I came across that But it's just so strange So you have a coal fire Do you burn coal and turf and logs And burning timber Fire logs and all that Yeah, yeah, yeah Every day? Not every day, no But like, you know Coming into like the winter months I would like to be lit more, you know so, do you
1: prefer cleaning it out than enjoying the actual fire itself when it's ablaze?
14: Uh, they'd be fairly on par with each other, but, Like someone has to clean it out, and because I love the smell, I'm all nominated for that one. Like so. But what what's there to smell about ash in the fire? I, what, I don't even know. It's just when you're cleaning it. It's just like I just I like, know it's probably my favorite chore to do at home. All right, and do you, do you get out cleaning equipment and everything because you, you
1: talk about bringing it back up shiny and clean what do you like, what do? You do?
14: Oh, genuinely it's the most simple thing ever so just literally a scoop to put the ash in a plastic bag obviously want to school down and all that and <laughs> just <laughs> polish, polish and a cloth that's all I need for it well, Is it like kitchen cleaner or, or is it Mr Sheen or what? Yes yeah, just kind of a Mr Sheen or some kind of maybe knockoff off friend or something you don't think you're a bit obsessive, no? <laughs> Some might say that, alright. <laughs> so it's your
1: job and yours only. No one else is allowed to touch
14: it. Uh, I don't mind if someone else wants to touch it, like, but I'm normally the one who gets nominated, right? Yeah, but it's a labour... Does it
1: does it relax you and de-stress you cleaning it out regularly?
14: <laughs> it would, yeah. Just the smell of the lawn, like, you know? <laughs>
1: Oh man, I can't think of any worse job to be quite honest. <laughs> I know
14: with. it's a strange one.
1: Yeah. Anyway, hang in, hang in there because um, I, that you know that's the kind of text and call I'm talking about. You're right up there with a damn good chance with the guys to a Maldron giveaway, depending on the other calls. Let me just talk. Hang on, Rachel, is standing
7: by. First up, Jerry. Yes, hello. All right, that's going you. to be
1: hard to beat. Cleaning out the fire to de-stress and relax. But go ahead anyway.
7: Well, it couldn't be more different. Um, <laughs> I start, uh, it's a, no, like I said in the text, uh, it's, um, I wouldn't say an intricate plan, but how I relax is uh, in the evening time, not every evening, no, because we would never get away with it. But uh, I would ask my wife, uh, would she like me to run her a bat? But <laughs> she, she would. And in doing so, I'd put the kids to bed or whatever. And while well, the bath running, the kids are in bed. The, so the wife is inside in the bath and lo and behold, I have an empty sitting room with a PlayStation and FIFA 24 <laughs> loading on the screen, ready to go. But, but obviously, with, with plan A, you need to have a plan B. So obviously, <laughs> it, uh, as something grows, you have to add to it. So in the in the, in the in the previous weeks and months before or after, yeah, I picked up a few synthetic candles, a few bat bombs. And then also, I, I was in Aldi one day and I saw... Uh, like a tray that you you can uh, put your iPad up on in the bath. So then, so now she's able to kind of do a completely relax herself, as well as myself getting a little bit more extra time as well. So,
1: so you bought <laughs> that way. tray, not really for your wife, but to lengthen the time she spends in the bath.
7: Well, well it was, it was it's an experience for both of us.
1: <laughs> is she is she aware of the method behind your madness? Does she know why you do uh, it?
7: I was, I, she kept onto to it after a while I'd say yeah she doesn't say no look at the same time I, I, she still gets uh, gets away into the bath and wants to go and relax too so it's a, win, it's a win-win night but you,
1: wait a second do you convince her to have a bath every night
7: not every night but I, I took to maybe two or three times a week maybe <laughs> <laughs> crazy person do you clean I mean, do you get? does she have bubbles in it
1: like or do you add any kind of beautiful scents or anything like that
7: Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, throwing a, throw a few bath bombs there. And oh no, the candles Throw Throwing in a, a few bath that. bombs, is it? And candles and everything. A few, a few bath bombs there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah no, no stone is left unturned, me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: going to have a hard choice this morning
7: picking a prize. Make sure, though, no, that she
1: hasn't got the laptop plugged in over the water or, because it could be bye yeah. bye it could be bye bye wifey <laughs> no,
7: no. that's not part of your plan sure it's not no absolutely not <laughs> oh my
1: god and the FIFA what, what like do you support a particular team or do you have your own team or what's the deal there
7: I don't, yeah I'm a bit I'm fan yeah but okay, it's FIFA so you're going play with everyone you know so okay. <laughs> your big child <laughs> I know from a 38 year old massive child that's what it <laughs> we call you a man child <laughs> but, but look at me look at the brownie points I could arm myself yes though big time <laughs> you must have the
1: cleanest partner in Cork absolutely you <laughs> go around with a big shine on her face all the time <laughs> hang in there Jerry. alright hang in there pal Rachel good morning hang on a second she should be on the line three. Are you there Rachel? She says, I think you'll probably think I'm cracked. Let's find out why she thinks that she's on too. Go ahead. Got you there, Rachel. Morning, you got lost you. there. Okay. So we got prizes all week, courtesy of ourselves in the Maldon Hotel in the South Mall. The best way to unwind or relax. It could be a chore or something you do. Off you go. Definitely not a chore
0: for me. I park the chores. uh, Three nights a week, I like to go on the PlayStation 5 and do online sim racing. Wait, wait
1: a second. Slow slow down now. You're (laughs) another PlayStation fiend, are you? What what do you do?
0: I am. We sim race.
1: Sim racing. What the hell is
7: that?
0: So basically, um, it's like uh, car racing online. So you have your steering wheel and you have your pedals (laughs) and everything and you have your screen in front.
1: You're inside the sitting room Um, with the steering wheel
0: oh yeah brilliant <laughs> great one and my husband actually does it as well right,
1: right. So and you have they, a pedal on the ground is it for the accelerator we
0: have yeah we have the pedals on the, on the under, under the desk so we have the clutch the accelerator and the brake and then we have the steering wheel then on the desk that's attached to the desk and then we have the 42 inch screen then in front of that
1: and what's on the screen the The road is it the track
0: the the track yeah or, or the, the the track and everything else is on that
1: and do you race against each other or what?
0: We, um, we're actually involved in teams and we set up um, leagues, leagues and cups and races and stuff during the week. So we'd have, well, my practice nights would be Saturday and Tuesday and my race night is Thursday.
1: Of <laughs> two practice so nights.
0: Night is my race night. <laughs> right.
1: And who are you racing um, against? A load of bandits, is it?
0: Oh, we have a big group of friends that are part of different teams and we, we race against those. We do different leagues and stuff. And then a uh, few times a year, then we do um, 24-hour endurance races and Lesartes for charities.
1: You mean uh, you do this Gran Turismo racing for 24 hours non-stop like Le Mans?
0: Yeah, We uh, set up a team of six of us and we do stints of three to four hours each. Until and the it, 24 hours are, are done, and it's, we'll say it would be on YouTube and Facebook <laughs> and Twitter. And then people kind of go online then and make their donations to various charities, depending on what we're raising money for.
1: I don't know how old you are, nor do you have to tell me or anything, but I, w- I would have thought that would have been a young person's gig, no?
0: I'm 42, but. Oh, uh, there, you're young, you're
1: young my, my, you're young.
0: my hobby's 53, but we're known as Nana and Grandad because <sighs> yes, we actually do have a grandson so everyone that knows us it's Nana and Grandad
1: but like how does that because it sounds quite competitive to me how does that relax you surely that would drive your heart rate through the roof and your blood pressure no, up
0: Oh, it's brilliant because we have a headset and we can go on and we can chat online with the, the lads that we race with as well so there'll be lots of banter and the kids will be in bed or they would be on their games doing their thing or,
1: so it's, they don't think it's that, that mum and dad are cracked like no
0: No, we have one son He's 15 he actually joins us in the races Um, and then my eldest son who's done his college work and then I have a nine year old who likes to do a bit of racing herself as well so it's kind of like a family event some days. (laughs) Have you
1: ever done the real thing though no?
0: I've been in a rally car as a passenger but I actually haven't been behind the wheel to do it professionally.
1: And the passenger in the rally car did that relax you?
0: It was I was glued to my feet but I enjoyed it the buzz was absolutely brilliant
1: and you ever win?
0: I am I'm actually in fifth place in the overall now at the moment so I'm still I'm in the top ten <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: a so I'm a it's, it's
0: nice to do it it's it's our last night it's something we can do together because we can't my husband has a lot of health issues, so we can't plan because we he'll go up places because we don't know what way he'll be. So I know, it's,
1: it's, yeah, it's, yeah, but he can always you can always make it to the steering wheel in the accelerator, like in the forty two inch screen. I've yeah. I've a lunatic that works as part of my team, and he's off to the Sim Expo tomorrow
2: somewhere in Germany.
0: Oh, nice! After Nordschleife. huh? After the <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah well Dortmund but, uh, but close enough Yeah It's it's. Yeah. I, I can't explain it Like it's just I got into it during the pandemic I'm, I was going to say Rachel's woman After my own heart Like you know it's just Why didn't you raise each other? Well, yeah, actually, we we could set okay, that up. I'm yeah.
0: going to send you my PSA number.
2: Do act, ah, yes, lads! I, I right. want to
1: see. This is like the Billie Jean King <laughs> tennis we'd get, challenge. We'd have to get Rachel Bobby in Riggs. the studio
2: and uh, get it set up inside the studio. You know, get a proper. We'd have to get the forty-two inches, to, to the steering wheel. Like I have a full rig. Be my guest. Fu- bring <laughs> it, full full it all in all here. Set it up. up. Yeah.
1: Bring in Rachel. Bring in your gear. Bring on the race, lads. As yeah.
2: <laughs> soon as you're back from Expo, get it done. streaming online. Yeah, it's it's just that it's it's and the rate, We do the same as Rachel. Like twenty-four hours. There could be three. Of us doing eight uh-huh. eight hours and do like I could be up at two in the morning doing that kind and of stuff. What, what will you buy? Will you be buying kit over there now in Germany? I'd a new accelerator of, or something? <laughs> new gear stick. <laughs> I tell you, Neil, there's brake pedals over there that cost over a thousand euro. If you're fool enough I to buy well, yeah, oh, yeah, I know.
0: It, yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. do you
1: spend a lot of money at it,
2: Rachel?
0: No, no. Um, I'm a full-time carer so I wouldn't have the big bucks to spend on it but uh, today it's something I'm kind of building up to that we can kind of get the full proper SimRae and, and,
1: do, you, and do, you, do you like you know like Super Mario and stuff like that and uh, all these you know all these other heads like uh, Crash Bandicoot and everything can you pick out your own car kind of thing
0: you can You uh, what are you, you driving
1: you, like a Fiat 500 at the
0: moment at, huh? at the moment I'm driving a Mazda 3 that's on a Thursday night Wednesday night then we do the well the husband does the Volkswagen polo and if he's not well enough I'll do that way so, um, <laughs> Monday night we're doing the PH500 the PH500 <laughs> The You're parking the behind the door hours, <laughs> for the 34 hours then we do the super formula the what so, the super formula car so Wouldn't you get yourself like a, big, a big Ferrari
1: or a Porsche or a Maserati get a bit of style woman rather there's no no disrespect to Fiat 500 drivers now <laughs> don't get me wrong why don't you get yourself a Formula 1 car we
0: have <laughs> I have three
1: three of them parked out in the garage is it <laughs> yeah the one in my
0: head <laughs> <laughs> so yeah how would you fancy hitting, how
1: would you fancy taking your husband off to um, the Maldron Hotel on the South Mall
0: I would love it. Got one more, Conor. <laughs> 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 I, <bring> same...
1: <laughs> I don't know whether they let you set up the entire sim gear inside no. in the bedroom. Actually,
0: actually, when we got married 20 years ago, we went to the Ballying Colleague um, hotel for our, our wedding and there was actually a playstation inside in the suite
1: for the wedding and I was looking at him do it. Ah care. you're a gas woman You're <laughs> a, listen I know I have two prizes to give away today but I'm going to sort you out Rachel because I had a good laugh with you, you're fantastic <laughs> so you're looking for four people yourself and your husband and two others overnight stay in the Maldron for four That's of you including stuff. dinner please take me up on the challenge there uh, with regards to uh, coming in and, um, and racing off against Kevin because I'd love you to beat his ass <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see what I can do <laughs> Alright girl,
1: alright, stay on Stay on hold We get details, alright?
0: No bother
1: Okay, take care of yourself for now Text 0868 Hang in there, back after the break
3: Talk to Neil Prenderbill now 0818 Cork's Red
1: FM Well it's only about two and a half hours Since I spoke to Barry Roach this morning Regarding the Gardaí and forensic And technical experts And digging equipment and everything Moving into this home down in Yall, I've an update for you now. Uh, it's just breaking. I see Pascal Sheehy on RTE saying that Garda investigating the disappearance of 45-year-old Tina Satchwell have found skeletal remains at the home where she lived in Yall, County Cork. Now the remains have not been identified as of yet. Guardi are satisfied that they are human remains. The assistant state pathologist Dr Margot Bolster and a forensic anthropologist Dr Laureen Buckley are visiting the site this morning. RT News understands that the bones were discovered during a search of the site yesterday evening. Members of the Garda Technical Bureau and a local divisional search team have been examining the property since Tuesday evening. Uh, The search there followed the arrest of a man on suspicion of the murder of Tina Satchwell. The man was released without charge last night after he was questioned for 24 hours at Cove Garda station. And that's as as much as I have for you. I'm quite sure that Lano O'Connor will be right across that story and anything else that develops at midday and across the afternoon. But what I can confirm at this stage is that Garda investigating the disappearance of Tina Satchwell have found skeletal remains at the home where she lived in Yall County Cork. The remains have not been identified as of yet, but Gardaí are satisfied that they are human remains. I'll say no more about it than that but that is a very very big development of that you can be sure uh, for all of the business uh, text 0868 104 106 remember tomorrow morning I have uh, and listen um, may whomever that was rest in peace it's a very very tragic uh, discovery of human remains um, I have uh, Paul, I have um, Miho Martin in studio tomorrow morning and I want you guys to be part of that conversation so if you could get texting any comments or questions that you might have fast as you can because I want to take a look at them this evening and go through them tonight before I, I get myself organized for my chat with the Tornister tomorrow morning. You can text 0868 104 You can also email neil at redfm.ie. Um, many people commented with regards to Paul Turow on the air this morning and the state of Ireland and how we spend our money and who we give it to and who we don't. Uh, I get that there's an awful lot of disquiet out there. There's even more people waning now towards all of the um, uh, international aid, the aid that we give and indeed also with regards to our, our, our very much open border policy and for how long more that would be sustainable. So keep that conversation going as well. Um, but I just want to, like we had, you know, I know it's quite quite sombre now with the, with the breaking news out of you all this morning, but my apologies to Stephen, has been waiting an age, so one final call this morning and it is, of course, you've you got to be able to have a laugh, you've just got to be able to have a laugh, we live in difficult times. Stephen, good morning.
13: Good morning. Uh, first of all, Neil, can I just say my my, my hack was out to the if it is clean offence.
1: Well, we don't know. We, can, we can't. We can't. We yeah. can't. We can't say anything in that uh, regard. But I, I understand the sentiment that you'd like to express, so thank you for it. Thank yeah, it's been it. going on far too long. Yeah. Well said. Well
13: said. Um, okay, so yeah, Neil, my my, my story uh, basically takes place in Australia for a time. Um, I used to work in Adelaide with and um, between Adelaide and Melbourne with the the Formula One. So we built the pit building for the Formula 1 and the, the pit building for the Clipsville 500 in Adelaide. Wow, that's brilliant. That was a good, good job, good job. But we used to hire um, labourers from Asia, um, which is Thailand now and places like that, and we'd give them Aussie dollars, would be their rate. So I think the first week they started, uh, these three lads, um, two of them cut their left hand off with a console. what? and the third yeah and the third fella threw himself off the top story of the building
3: oh because, no
13: because because the, the compensation they would have gotten from Australian race would have set their family up for life back home which was uh, fairly horrific so we were all kind of in shock um, the following week then my boss gave me his uh, credit card um and Big gold credit card with his name on it so it wasn't a cheap one he said take your team out have a laugh um, and we'll see you after the weekend so what he meant was take us out in Melbourne Um, so five days later we arrived back from Indonesia Um, about $10,000 spent on the credit card between the the, the 20 of us and um, yes he wasn't even mad because he knew that we needed that after what we saw on site um, he
1: was so, I thinking yeah. you didn't have a job to go back to you must have spent the 10 days 4 days in Indonesia thinking I'll make the most of this I'm going to be sacked
13: but you know what when, when I was over there I could see the poverty I could see the poverty and, uh, and it kind of made me understand um, what these people are thinking when they come to a country that pays them a lot more money please explain
1: to say. me please explain to me why that misfortune took his own life
13: And none of them died None of them died. One, uh, it was a three-story building, so one. Did of he fall off it, or you see, he, no, he threw. He threw him him himself. Why? Of why? Uh, because he'd have been out for work. He would have got compensation, and the compensation that he would have got under Aussie race would have set his family back in Thailand. They would, he would have set, been set for life.
1: What a sacrifice to make for your family! Such is the poverty
13: it's, of his native home. Exactly, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a crazy um, state of mind to put yourself in.
3: Oh, my God, isn't
1: it? It really puts things in perspective when somebody would do that, knowing that in spite of what happened to them, their family would be set up
13: for life at home. Exactly, exactly. And, and you mentioned to me, um, would I have a job to go back to? I was seriously considering not going back after what I saw. It was, uh, it was horrific.
1: Oh, my God. Um, Th- thanks, for, thanks for that. It really puts things in perspective for those of us that about whinge about small, little inconsequential things, you know?
13: But yeah, and so, look, he gave us his card. So instead of a pub, we, we, we skipped the country and went on a holiday to Indonesia. Love it. He wasn't even that mad about it.
1: Love it, love it. Thank you so much, Stephen. Uh, out of time, guys. We'll pick up the conversation in the morning. So do get involved. Uh, more of those... Um got two to give away tomorrow actually for the modern hotel and the south Mall. and uh, some of you have been on the air already you're in the reckoning for it but more calls and texts are welcome text 0868104106 as to how you relax and unwind and switch off particularly if it's a chore that you like to do. Mind you, it would be hard to beat Rachel. It really would. And uh, our sim racing, that was a fabulous call. Enjoy the stay in the Maldron, uh, Rachel. As to whether you'll get the whole rig into the hotel room, I do not know. Uh, I'm going to love you and leave you guys. I'll leave you with that breaking news of the discovery of skeletal remains, the home of uh, Tina Satchwell in y'all. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
7: For more Red FM
0: podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.